podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 352nd edition of the Boxing Asylum Nuttows podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have a packed panel... Ozzy Smith, Adam Smith, David Lobax just jumped on, Andy Patterson, rapping Rob Kelly from the start. You know, when you've got a bit of Rob Kelly out there in the worlds of Wexford, we are ready to go. Welcome to you all, everybody in the chat as well. Thanks for listening. Sundays, we're live on Mixler. Mondays on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. Plenty to cover as always. AJ and Ruiz out in Saudi Arabia coming up very shortly. Bit of Dillian White, bit of Terence Crawford, Charlo, Eubank. Shitty titles. The usual questions, comments and Bell of the Week. Stick with us. We did go live on Mixler last night for a uh, post-fight pod. So the AJ Ruiz chat won't be as heavy as you'd think tonight. There's about 40 minutes from last night, so look that up on YouTube. It's on iTunes as well. We go into a bit more depth. We will start with it, though, Andy. You weren't with us last night, so let's begin with you. John Kearns, who was on the show, said, How do you, Andy, and the rest of the pod, rate that performance by Joshua last night? Did he show you anything that makes you think he's capable of beating Wilder, Fury, or Usyk? Um... He could certainly cause him a bit of problems, actually. I mean, he was definitely cagey last night. Box very well, I thought, to, to, to a game plan. Um, obviously, the, the question mark was, was he able to keep it going? It was. Um, there was times, actually, he did get drawn in to kind of shoot out. To be honest, if that's Wilder he's shooting out with, um, and Ruiz did catch him a couple of times as well, um, I think Wilder would probably switch his lights off. Um, should we just put in put in there as well as um, you know? It's clear Joshua's had to go away and have a you know have a, a clear rethink, uh, reprogram himself and stuff. Because we all said that last week as well that he needed to kind of fight like Klitschko to try and maybe you know win the fight. But um, just to be a reminder that you know, Joshua was kind of like shouting Fury's performance against against Klitschko. Um, so you know, he had to kind of go away and do what Fury would basically done actually and try and box on the back foot, jab, right hand, hold, and you know that's how he had to do it to win the fight. Um, as for Ruiz and stuff, um, you know, I was I was wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, on on the weight issue because obviously the the time of the weigh-in, um, he's probably ate, packed himself uh, full of water, fully clothed, God knows what's in his pockets and stuff like that. But um, I was waiting for him. I was really waiting for him to kind of like you know just start banging away and you know exploding, and it just never came. Um, even the twelfth round, he never even kind of you know, he got you know, it was no urgency, so to speak. Um, that said, um, again, as I said, Joshua did everything he had to do. You know, f- you know, big credit to him and stuff because you know he could have easily went in there um, during the fight. You know, there was confidence. You know, right hands and stuff like that as well. He could have easily kind of kind of like went for the knockout and try and step in there and really kind of do damage and stuff. But obviously realised that he doesn't want to stand in there for too long. Uh, released to catch him a couple of times, as I says. Uh, I don't know about you guys and stuff, but uh, I watched the the zone feed, and I know for what I've been reading, Sky were absolutely awful. The zone weren't any better, so uh, absolutely deplorable. You know, they were too busy talking over the actual fight itself rather than actually calling what was happening. For example, the seventh round. You know, I remember Ruiz landing numerous right hands to the body, and they're too busy talking away. Then in the eighth round, he's landing right hands to the body, and then. Sergio Moro pops up. Oh, he's starting to go to the body now. Well, you know, where was where was he actually? You know, like literally like three minutes ago. So it's just like we gripes like that. But um, all in all, very very good performance by Joshua. But um, to me, it's not going to be enough to beat Wilder because I think Wilder again will do what he usually does. He'll be cagey. He'll fight on the back foot. You probably want Joshua to come to him so you can try and you know look for that opening. And you can see it with Wilder in that as well at times as he will be patient. He'll look for the, the opening. Um, Fury. Mm, 
different fight altogether, and that especially if Joshua adopts up that tactic, I might force Fury to kind of come to him. But um, again, it, really, it would really depend. Yuzik, uh, I want to see Yuzik with a top heavyweight first, actually, because obviously, okay, the, the Washington fight isn't much to write home about and stuff like that. And, you know, he has a great, great talent. I'm a big fan of him and stuff like that. But I want to see him uh, kind of like with a top five, top six heavyweight to see where he's at. Because um, power-wise, I don't think he's going to have the, you know, the power to kind of really... Trouble Joshua, he could probably, he could definitely outbox him, um, box move and stuff like that. But as I say, usually he's getting up in age in that as well. He's you know, injuries are kind of cropping up him a little bit. Um, no making excuses for him and stuff like that. But um, as I say, I just want to see him get a wee test and then we can look at it. But I wouldn't be surprised actually to see. I think what will probably happen is Joshua will probably end up fighting Pulev and IBF mandatory, and he'll probably be forced or maybe. Not so much force, but it might be vacate the WBO title and use it to probably fight for the vacant title on the undercard. Um, that's what I kind of think will probably happen. But uh, all in all, it was uh, a good performance as such from from Joshua. But um, Ruiz, as I say, I was wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt. I know he's come out now and started making excuses. So I think we can start saying, see me start seeing these videos online months before a fight and stuff like that. Don't pay any attention to it because I thought for but the videos that I was seeing. Uh, Ruiz was actually taking it seriously he was working away in the gym and stuff knew we were hearing that um, he was partying for so many months or so many weeks at a time and stuff and just to kind of lay reference as well as Mike Costello asked me a very important question um, a, couple of, uh, a couple of days ago and he asked Andy Ruiz have you had it was, it was, it was very well put have you had any secret cousins or sisters or brothers come out, come out the woodwork since you beat uh, Anthony Joshua and he said aye so you can imagine, you know, if you've got people coming out the woodwork, you know, oh, hi, I'm your second cousin, you know, fourth time removed or whatever and stuff, you know, who, how many other people are actually in that kid's ear? So you can imagine if he's got all that money, these people in, in his ear, oh, you could do this, you could do that, you know, we'll go here, we'll go there, you can take this, you can eat that, you can drink this, you can snort that. And lo and behold, you know, he's fucking going into a fight and he's not properly prepared. Now, Manny Robles actually said after the weigh-in, oh, his weight was actually £273 before the weigh-in. Right, so, and then he throws him under the bus afterwards. So I'm saying to myself, what the fuck's going on here? So, he's clearly just went away and enjoyed himself. I don't see him have much of a career now, actually. He's he's made a ton, a ton of money. You know, it's been hungry at the end of the day and stuff like that. Joshua got the hunger back at the end of the day. He's went away, lost the weight. He's been absolutely rigid in the, in, in the gym, sparring, just doing the heavy the heavy work. And uh, he's come out there and he's done everything possible and he's, you know, very, very good performance. But at the same, at the same time as Ruiz has got to kind of look at himself in the mirror and say, Do, did I give everything I uh, possibly could as a heavyweight champ in the world? No, I didn't. You're one and done champ and um, to me he should retire because his heart's not really knowing it anymore. But I don't know what he made there last night, but he's a multi-millionaire probably 20 times over. So go away and enjoy it, Andy. And didn't bother pestering, pestering us anymore with it because <laughs> I just I felt that he was going to come out there and just you know repeat and um, probably just come out there and shut the bed actually um, he had his moments I suppose but he couldn't follow up on it and probably just didn't have the dur- not the durability but he didn't have the gas tank really to kind of like maintain it so all in all poor by Ruiz but also good performance by Joshua and that's all I can really say about it but as as a heavyweight spectacle. It wasn't all that great a fight, in my opinion, and you know, people, Joshua fans will be saying I'm a hater or whatever and stuff, but uh, facts are facts, you know, he did what he had to do, 
you know, people shouting fury for his performance against Klitschko, calling it one of the most boring of all time and stuff. Josh was come in there, kept it boring, kept it at range, kept on the move, didn't let Ruiz set his feet and stuff, and got the job done. And that's all you can do. End of the day, it's, it's boxing. It's no, you know, he didn't want to go into an absolute war all the time and stuff. And he didn't, he, he didn't want to really get involved with another war and stuff like that as well because, to be honest, he could have got clipped. And he did get clipped a couple of times there last night, but he took it well, and he come back pretty strong as well. So. Fair play to Joshua, and um, after this, so I want to see him. I didn't want to see him kind of like messing about now. Um, Pulev, I'll give him a mandatory defence and that, but Wilder Fury winner has got to happen sometime in the summer mm. or late uh, or later on next year because um, you know, as I say, Ruiz almost upset the apple cart, and uh, if Joshua hadn't won there last night and stuff, you know, it would basically be Fury and Wilder, and that was the heavyweight division waiting on music trying to make his stamp. So there we go. Yeah, Andy Ruiz maybe needs to have a good look in the mirror, as Andy said. It'd be some size of a mirror, though. Maybe he could give dietary advice to Andreas Gutierrez. Who knows? Shout out to everybody in the chat. Joe Kennedy's there. Tosh, Johnny Clash, MB, Matt Russell. Just going up the list here. Henry Doe, Warren UA, Darts legend Chris Mason. He's spending his Sunday evening with us as well. El Highlander. Good evening to all you boys. Good to see you in there. Take Ames as well as just joined us. Also, the official voice of American Boxing will let us know what was going on across the pond. What's the view from across the pond, Dave Loback? So is this the new version of AJ now? Is this a, a Klitschko 2.0, the new Im- improved AJ? Is he going to move? Is he going to grab? Is this what it means? Is this a means to an end just to get this rematch out of the way? Is this the fight he had to do, Dave, just to get Andy Ruiz banished, get his titles back and move on? Or is this going to be Joshua going forward? Is this what we're going to expect now, Dave? Um, I didn't see a second of it. Uh, so I'm not one to analyze this fight, just the mentalities. <laughs> <laughs> what did you um, think we were going to be talking about tonight, dude? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm slightly butthurt that um, You could, you could play asleep. that sound, sound bite now of Chuck Wissing, I fell asleep. <laughs> that's about I just that. did. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I was at work. I'm getting predictable. Um, yeah. I was at work, but um, I heard it wasn't too much to write home about other than the fact that, you know, we got a different result, a result that was um, not expected by um, most of us, really. I think most of us had had picked a repeat. Um, I'd rather focus on Andy Ruiz because, you know, screw Joshua. What's going to happen is going to happen. He's either going to dump that WBO belt or fight Usyk. Next, so that'll be that's like that's what that's what's next for him. I I expect step aside money's in the card. Um, I don't know what that sound is. Um, what's that? Uh, as for Andy Ruiz, though, very disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, obviously, I didn't see it, but I, I know what happened and I heard it described. Very person said post fight. Um, I'm not willing to write him off yet, though. I want to see him fight one more time, see if he's learned a lesson from tonight, see if he's learned that lesson of you can't relax. Uh, this is You have one moment, and that's your, your, your moment. It doesn't come again, and it doesn't come easy again. It, I don't think it ever will come again for him, but there's a chance it could if he, if he gets serious because I think he's, he's, a, you know, he's a solid fighter. He's got good heart. He's got a good chin, decent speed and power for a fat ass. Um, but... I don't want to write him off because he gave us uh, the greatest boxing moment of the year, far and away, 
even though he um, sort of took away from that last night, um, it's still the boxing moment of the year for me. And uh, I, I feel like I owe it to Andy not to write him off after just one fight. Um, just like we haven't read, uh, wrote off Andy Patterson uh, after just one drunken nights podcast. Don't write off Andy too soon. Don't write off years ago. Jumped on the call. That was years ago. Memories, Andy. Memories. Yeah, it was one of my greatest performances, actually. Kicking Donny's head down the street. Gabe's with us, as I said. Uh, we're talking AJ Fury. Can you imagine if this is the new version of AJ going in against the normal safety first version of Fury? That could be a hard watch, I think. I Adam Smido Smith, you're no hard listen. I'd love to hear her actually explain that one, by the way, after shitting on Fury all that time. Eh? <laughs> oh, he'd do it all right. Seven sand to the Arabs, old Eddie. Uh, Adam Smido Smith, not the Sky one, the real one, in my opinion. Just checking what's up there, Smido, and I had a. Uh, quite a few messages from you coming through, scoring round by round, a few voice messages as well. Give us, give the listeners a brief rundown of what you uh, hit me with there. As it and you with some drunken shit, to be honest, Steve. Um, but <laughs> no, uh, I watched the fight last night in a in a um, packed out beer keller type pub um, last night, and um, yeah, for absolutely rammed, packed full of casuals. But we can all throw. We can all throw shade on casuals, but really, I mean, when was the last time, you know, that that, that places were packed out to watch boxing fights like this for a, for a British fighter? I mean, you know, it's been a it's been a, a while, and he, he has obviously caught the imagination of the casuals. Um, we've said that many many times before. Um, my overriding thoughts last night, going starting from the going backwards, really, was that. He's got the job done, fair play, no criticism, got the job done. He's virtually, his career was on the line last night um, after the embarrassing loss six months ago. Um, and he's got the belts back, fair play, brilliant, you know, fair play to him. But I couldn't help but think, and the first question on the pod tonight, Steve, was absolutely perfect. I couldn't help but think that the, towards the end of the fight, the last three or four rounds, when it was getting pretty boring and repetitive, that this or that last night's version of Joshua, the back foot, safety first, not getting involved in any firefights, not for one second looking like he was going to KO um, or trouble properly trouble Ruiz throughout the whole fight. That version of Joshua doesn't get anywhere near Wilder, Fury, or Usyk for three different for, for three pretty different reasons. Particularly Wilder and Fury. I mean, they're basically polar opposites of each other in terms of boxing. But I just don't think Josh, Joshua the, that Joshua version last night gets anywhere near him. I mean, um, Andy Ruiz. Was not was was never a um, I know he knocked out Joshua, but it was never you know blown up as this massive puncher. So if Joshua is taking this approach, um, you know, and he's scared to engage with um, with you know, I don't know, average is that a bit um, you know, is, is that a bit harsh? Average punchers like Andy Ruiz. I mean, he's there's no chance he's going to be getting involved um, with with Wilder. Um, you know, I think the the referee was the perfect referee. Last night, I mean, we know the history of Pavon from them, from the Povetkin and the Klitschko fight, you know, five or six years ago, whenever that was. Um, he was not letting Ruiz work on the inside at all. And he got to the stage around the, the seventh round where AJ was tiring a little bit. It was that AJ was almost looking over to the ref to invite the, the breaks to come. Um, so, you know, I, I noted down that Ruiz was in danger of, um, 
of, you know, the ref was in danger of costing him the fight. Now, it didn't turn out that way because really, you know, Ruiz didn't do, didn't do a lot and he, he certainly didn't do enough to make excuses to blame the ref. But it was getting to that stage of the ref, you know, bre- breaking, breaking, breaking. Um, like I say, he's got the job done. I think next year there's virtually no chance that he fights uh, Wilder or Fury. Um, given the way it looks like it's set up with them two having a rematch apparently in February. Mandatory is getting lined up for Joshua. I think Usyk's the biggest problem they've got next year in terms of avoidance. Um, they don't, I don't think they want anything to do with, with Usyk um, for, for obvious reasons. But as Andy said, I think we need Usyk to kind of prove it or put this way with it, with his power, etc. Um, I mean, my, my overriding question for Joshua, and it's probably one that I could spread to you guys, was, like, what did he do last night that that impressed us? Other than win, which is obviously what he had to do. But what did he do really other than impress us? Like, he used his jab as someone with a four or five inch height advantage should do. Like, what did he do last night that's, that, you know, signals greatness? I just don't... There's nothing really, nothing really stand out. He was, he was using the ring, you know which he should be able to do as an Olympic gold medalist. He was using a jab against a smaller man, which he should be able to do anyway. That's about that's about it. I just it was a bit of it was a bit of a yeah uninspiring. We're looking to the future as we always do, and we always get questions about what's next. And do you think he'll beat such and such? I just was you know left them um, kind of kind of empty. If they can um, bring him back, fight the lights of I don't know. Dillian White, I think that's probably nailed on for some point next year. Pulev's already been mentioned. I think if the 2020 is going to be the year of of, uh, of you know consolidating his position and avoiding the big two, I think. One thing I'm interested in doing is assessing Andy Ruiz's place now in the heavyweight division because sometimes we're guilty of historical revisionism once we view matters in the light of some new information. So what I'm saying is, back in June, the new information was obviously Ruiz KO Joshua out the blue. Was Joshua drained? Was he listless? Was he not himself? Possibly. These are all possibilities. But suddenly, Andy Ruiz, who has always been perceived during his career, as far as I'm aware, as a decent fighter, he's got moderate skills, he comes in terrible shape, he all of a sudden becomes this huge puncher, he's the fastest hands in the division. That big belly, it isn't a hindrance, it's a help. You know, having a massive muffin top yeah. is this guy's style. And see the Joseph Parker fight, he was robbed. He definitely won that fight. I'm as guilty of doing this as anybody else, but we revise things based on what we see. So my take from last night, Rob, is Joshua is probably better than we think. He don't reach that level without being a good boxer. And Ruiz has reverted back to type, back to his place in boxing wilderness. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to be plucked from obscurity, because I think he will be in the future. Due to this brief reign, as a heavyweight world champion, they'll be able to draft him back out again, Rob. So where do you sit on both of the guys, especially Ruiz? Um, with Ruiz I think he was capable of doing it I think even last night he, he was capable of doing it but you have to do it it's like Manny Robles said look I was I said this about months ago on the pod that I thought that he was padding too much the rematch was coming he always knew the rematch was coming this guy lived on the chat show, show circuit in the States the breakfast show circuit on the States for about two or three months and when the fight was announced he was still on the promo tour and I thought Jesus Christ would he not want to be taking camp early if he wants to cut the weight like so apparently, according to Robles, they didn't cut weight, but he got injured because he wasn't applying himself. And Robles was in the gym calling him to see was he coming in. So that tells you everything. That tells you everything that you need to know. So I don't know if Joshua is that much better or that he just got the uh, worst version of Ruiz last night. He was a better version of himself. So, And I told in the fight. Um, 
before the first fight, we would have all expected him to beat um, Andy Ruiz, and he's got it right. So I still think he loses to the other two top guys. I think Fiori beats him, and I think Wilder beats him. Um, but I don't think you're going to get to see him against any of them. I think he's got Pulev, and they've already called the WBO mandatory 10 minutes after the fight last night. So um, you're not going to see those fights. I'm telling you now, you won't see those fights in 2020. AJ's already made it clear. And Hearn's not going to put him out there to get beaten again. He, even last night in the fourth round when he got clipped, he looked he looked to the corner, panic struck like he's Ruiz just hadn't got it, and he could tell that after about eight or nine rounds when he was sticking his tongue out at him and all that. A la Fury, um, you know, he he just hadn't got it. He couldn't put a foot on the gas, and AJ knew that. Like, and even at that, like what what Andy said earlier, you thought he could have stopped him, you know, he could he could have stopped him or he could have got close. He could have been getting in and out on Ruiz because he had nothing. His feet were nothing last night. And his hand speed, all the hand speed that we talked about before when we saw in the build wasn't there. wasn't there. He was just looked like a lump of shit last night, in all honesty. But I do think we'll see him again. I think he can be used again. But he'd be sorry. He said after the fight, oh, who's looking for the third fight? Absolutely fucking nobody after that. Nobody's looking for the third fight. And you don't deserve it based on that. That was your chance. You had all the belts. You take. You know, that was your chance to defend it. Blew it. Blew it. Why all of a sudden they got a third fight straight away? I mean, it's the same with Golovkin and Canelo, isn't it? If if he's got to get a third fight, he needs to earn it now. I mean, he's had he's, he's won each, right? But then the day is this. If, if it was close, you could understand it. Yeah, if it was, if it was like close, close, you could understand it. But if you that, don't ask, you don't get. No that's chance. all it is. If you don't ask, yeah. you don't get. That's, that's mm. all it is. Now we've got White wanting a rematch with Joshua after that performance. Are you fucking kidding me? No chance. No, no, no. But could. You know, no, that, thought, we're, we're talking yeah. about that performance from Ruiz. If Joshua would have been switched on and boxed in that manner he did last night in June, I think he'd have done the same. I don't think that Ruiz was any different last night compared to compared to June. Other than um, AJ um, made the changes, didn't get any firefights, so didn't get caught and discombobulated. And the referee, I think they were the only two. I don't think Andrew Ruiz was much difference between the two dates. And what I would say is about Ruiz is um, everyone's talking about this weight. I know us guys, guys know the score about pockets and that, but I went to the gym Saturday morning and they say, oh yeah, he's a stone over. What a load of shit. They've not, they've not even turned the TV on. The man weighed in with trainers, bottoms, a tank top and a fucking sombrero. I mean, has anyone had a sombrero on? They don't, it's not like having a baseball cap on. Like they weigh a few, uh, you know, maybe four or five pounds. I thought that was a massive, massive myth about that weight. I've, I've, I would, I'm just classing last night's Ruiz basically the same weight and the same strategy slash performance as before. He just, like I say, he just didn't get a chance due to the ref and due to Joshua to land the punches that saw him cause an upset in um, in June. And also, like these, you know, he's got these excuses outside the ring. Andy Ruiz has won the lottery. Like in in May last year, May sorry, early in May this year, he's just won the lottery. He's come from virtually absolutely nowhere within the boxing world. He's, he could retire tomorrow, never fight again, never work again a day in his life. His life has changed monumentally this year, and it wasn't in the plan. Or he's come from nowhere. Obviously, you know we know the circumstances with Jerome. It's come from absolutely nowhere, and and those, I think Andy mentioned he might retire. I wouldn't be surprised if he did a maid on him and we never saw him again. Kevin, it's strange actually if he's been out partying, right? Like like people are saying, usually in this day and age, videos or pictures appear. Yeah, you know, and nothing's appeared. So he's obviously yeah. been sitting in the house getting 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 tanked up or whatever and that because usually as I say is if anybody's out in the club, you know, like like Broner, for example, out there with a Dom Perry on. Well there was there was though. There was 
there yeah, was, there was when, a lot, and then, and then, but like, how do you like? He's already two seventy five to walking around two seventy five, so he's walking around around two ninety, two eighty five, right? Uh, like you can't, a fella like him kind of can't afford to take that off in between fights. It's gonna fucking kill him, and then he's had the twelve week camp, and then he's only gone out there ten days before and everything. I think he just thought. I don't need to do as much as this because I can beat this guy. All I have to do is catch him and he's not going to fight any different. And Robles said he knew Joshua was going to fight different and they had a game plan for that, but it's getting him to do it. And as well as that, you got to factor into it about Ruiz. Uh, I should have mentioned earlier, Steve, when you asked me. Wasn't he with Freddie Roach before as well? He got rid of him. So there's fucking... That was, way, there's, there's, that was early in his career, wasn't it, yeah? Yeah, but Roach doesn't give a second. He's not really big on second chances, according to people. If, mm. he, if they're not coming to the gym, he doesn't want to know. So um, that could tell you that could tell you a bit about, it, especially when he's got all the money in his pocket, in his bank now as well. Like, I think you know, I think there was definitely a combination of both. That AJ did it right, dedicated himself, spied, you know, came came with a strategy and stuck to it, and the fact that Ruiz was a lesser version of the, of the last fight like, definitely I thought it was obvious even when he had his time I know people say he didn't look that different I thought when you saw him in the first round man he looked a mess like a mess I didn't think he was going to win like when I saw him yeah that's where I was wondering earlier where his seeding is where his abilities lie I think in June uh, whatever was wrong with Joshua and it was a lot of it was by Ruiz's own making he took full advantage full credit to him of a situation that arose partly because of what was going on with Joshua and partly because of his own making hitting him with the shot to the equilibrium and all that type of stuff he took full advantage of that situation but this is what he is he is what he is Andy Ruiz he's inconsistent this is why we haven't seen him at this level doing this type of thing before possibly that, that's what I would venture anyway Ozzy you were on last night uh, jumping out the pub 10 points down trying to hide under cars from slags Tell me about the title situation then. The IBF obviously snoozing on the mandatory. WBO have already ordered the Usyk fight. A lot of people are talking about them probably dropping that, letting Usyk fight for it, which would be a shame really because you'd like to see in an ideal world the winner of Wilder Fury take the WBC to fight Joshua or whoever holds the other belts and have an undisputed champion. But I think this was a smart play from the WBO. I was just hoping that the WBA might get in there and finally, finally Ozzy, announce for Ezequendo. Well, I couldn't agree anymore, Steve. I mean, Fraz has been there in the wilderness and, and it could well be his time now, but sadly, uh, <clears throat> I think he's still battling out in courts and things are God knows his situation. But no, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting one, to be honest. Uh, as I say, you've got two mandatories called now. I think they'll naturally favour the IBF one with Pulev, um, far less riskier. Uh, and if that means that they do have to chuck away the WBO belt then um, so be it looking at the rankings now um, Tyson Fury's at number two so automatically you would think it would be him however with him going in with Deontay Wilder you go down next in the list and that's Joseph Parker <clears throat> so there's every chance that we could see a Parker um, Uzik uh, between one and number four um, but at the same time as well, what are they bigging up a fight early next year uh, between Usyk and Derek Chisora? So is that a chance for where you know they're going to try and potentially get Joshua to vacate the WBO, give uh, Chisora his swan song, you know, like a, a world title shot in, in a fight that he's um, basically way out, way out of his depth in? Uh, and then it hands the belt to Usyk, and then it just builds the fight from that perspective. Or the WBO will happily wait and then just say the winner of Joshua and 
Pulev must fight Alexander Usyk. Um, so it's going to be an interesting... It, it, it's a fight that cannot be avoided unless they chuck the belt away and just simply don't entertain it. But I don't see Hearn signing uh, Usyk just to then keep him you know, away from Joshua. I think that's a fight that they want and they want to build. Uh, but going back to your original point, I, I would rather see um, the winner of Wilder Fury in, in with Joshua next. That's what you want. To be honest... I'd happily not see Wilder Fury next and then see uh, Joshua Wilder um, uh, as the next fight, big fight to happen in the heavyweight division. I don't think many people would be disappointed with that if that meant that all the belts on the line and, and that really would be a super fight. Steve, I was just going to say, I mean, there's just obviously talking WBO, IBF, mandatory situation. The WBA is in a bit of a mess at all. I mean, I don't know what's happened with Manny Char. I think he holds a regular belt. But I was reading last week there that Trevor Bryan or Bryant, I think he's the name of the Canadian, he is the interim champ. So he's been sitting waiting for God knows how many months. So that's going to be stacking <sighs> up as well. And just off the back end, this Dylan White situation that as well, it's going to be interesting to see what WBC do with him, with his uh, supposed mm. mandatory position, because he was meant to be banned until 2021 for WBC title. So it'll be interesting over the coming weeks to see if he gets reinstated. They'll probably stick it's just white. meaningless greed with the WBA. I know this isn't news yeah. to anybody, Aussie, but just meaningless greed. Why the hell? I mean, we love Frez, man. He deserves his chance. I'm putting him to one side. But Manny Char and this Trevor Bryan shouldn't be anywhere near a world title. Can't just fuck him off. Can't stick him in the back of a boot somewhere and drive them off into the countryside so we never have to hear from them again. We need one champion, that's all. I agree. And it's exactly going on mafia on us here. It's just pure greed. That's all it is. It's just pure greed. and um, They're a nuisance. They're in the way. And... That is when it's going to get disappointing if you do see people like Manuel Char called as a, called as a mandatory because it's just pointless. He poses no threat whatsoever. He poses more threat to himself, to be honest, than any than, um, than going in with Anthony Joshua or something like that. That's a fight that nobody wants to see. Trevor Bryan, yeah, we don't give a fuck about you either. He can piss off as well. The fights that we want to see him in with, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury... Um, I think you've got to probably throw uh, Usyk in there as well. They're the fights you want to see next. Uh, the po- the Pulev one is is quite uninteresting to be honest. Um, I, I think I think Joshua blasts Pulev out of there quite comfortably. Uh, but just touching on Andy Ruiz, he I think he will regret this situation for the rest of his life. He'll be looking back over the last what four or five months and just think, what have I done? He was out there getting pissed, eating food all the time, not training. And Rob's right. I think he went into there basically underestimating Joshua and thinking, I don't need to be at 100% for this. He may not have been at 100% in the first fight, but what he was, he was just off the back of a fight. So what did he have? Five, six days out the gym. So from his perspective, he was fit. This time, he, he was just a fat slob. He was a fat slob that... If you'd have said six months ago that he knocked him out, and it wasn't, you know, like just a, a one-punch knocker, it was a beatdown. If you'd have said that, you'd have said you're lying, and there's no way this could have happened. Um, Ozzy, it was it, a punch from the gods. You've got that wrong, mate. Stick with the narrative. It was a punch from the gods. Well, you know I don't do narratives anyway. Um, but no, uh, but for, for him, look, there's going to be fights available for him without a doubt. Would have be shocked to see him with someone like Dillian White early next year? Probably not. Um and I, look, talk's cheap. He, he can come out and say, I didn't listen to my trainer, I didn't train and things like that. He has to act on it. If he doesn't act on it, then no no, no one really cares. But um, it, it was frustrating to hear 
I mean, look, you've, you've got people forking out £25 for this and stuff like that, and you've just got the fat prick just dossing around, doing nothing, and you just think, look, it's, it's the biggest night of his career, and he couldn't get up for it. So is he going to get up for anything else? No, well, that's the point. Sure. Now, yeah. now he's in them silk pajamas. Is he going to go? Is he going to want to fight a Trezora, a Parker, a Hergovic for a, for a tenth of the money? But he'll probably be knee deep in like pepperoni pizza now and tacos and things like I that. Had a pepperoni pizza today. Yeah. You need to remember as well. Silk tarpaulin. As you guys say, but listen, he, he, he got he got that first fight off. Well, at least he had the fight beforehand, but he basically got that fight like Rocky Balboa got his fucking chance, didn't he? He basically got picked up off a list, and then he was next in line for the shot. You know, that's all it was, and he took his chance, and then Operation he just made the show set for life. But as as Ozzy says, he's going to rue you know, that day. You know, or he's going to look back at this and say to himself, you know, did I do did, did I do everything I could do? Answer is no, obviously. Mm. But because it's because it definitely this, rings this, true. Uh, fame and money has come literally overnight. It's been it must be difficult to adapt to. At least Joshua has been yeah, into the public eye over a number of years, and obviously his bank balance has gone up over a number of years. Yeah. Andy Ruiz was virtually overnight, and then there'll be like you say, people coming out of the woodwork, hose knocking at your door, the drug dealers around the corner buying all these cars. It's overnight. It must be you know if I won a million ten million pound tomorrow. My life would be brilliant. So, it would be difficult at times. If I got ten grand, anytime I get ten grand, I'm running around like puffed out man. I think it's fucking gonna burn a hole in my pocket trying to spend it. If I get ten G's, man, it's fucking trouble. Imagine I got a million. Oh, Target kidnapping you? Oh, I'd be face down in the fountain like Tony Montana at the end of the story. No doubt about it. Um, <laughs> see, be honest. See, see if you come in a whole ton of money, by the way. Okay, you know. It takes a sensible person to kind of do something with it, put it aside and that, but at the same time, we're all human. We all want to have a wee bit of enjoyment because we've grafted, um, you know, the chance the chance comes and there's your money and stuff like that. So it's right, okay, I can get a car, I can get this, I can get something that oh, I've always wanted. And then bought, but you just take it too far, don't you? He bought £750,000 Rolls Royce, things like that. He wasn't just, you know, like doing a few bits. And look, if you had a month off and got... Like I said, piled on loads of weight, eating whatever he wanted and stuff. You kind of, fair play. You know, like it's fully deserved. But then he did three months. He, what was it? Three months, he said, of just solid, like, partying and things like that. And like you say, or going on all these chat shows and things like that. And regardless of what shape he comes in, I mean, he's always looked like a Teletubby. But it works for him. Uh, like you said, like, he, there's arguments that he beat Joseph Parker and he could have been a world champion, what, three years ago? It's not the, you know, like, it's not a bodybuilding contest. You don't need to aesthetically look brilliant. And he'll always be like that. But it's the fact that he just he, he just showed no care whatsoever. I do wonder now, basically, if he weighed in in clothes, because he knew, I mean, he's fat anyway, but if he looked horrendous as well, he just thought, fuck this, I'll just get... Because he doesn't need to. And, you know, it just it got a bit of talking from the perspective, oh, he's piled weight on but he was fully clothed and they had the narrative that he was still weighing in, you know, at the same weight as he was in the first fight. In reality, it was an absolute pack of lies, absolute pack of lies. And look, I mean, it's this, like I said, it's just this bullshit. He said, there's no excuses yet. He blamed partying and his weight and he didn't and train. He's injured. And it's always convenient, isn't it? You, you're never injured. You never have a bad camp when you were uh, put on a sterling display, do you? But, when you know come unstuck and things like that, you're always you know I had I had injuries and I wasn't taking it serious. Why the fuck would you not take it serious? 
he wins last night and he goes from a what did he get about 15 million for last night go and double that in your next fight he could have had literally he could have done whatever he wants and like, like Smith said and stuff like that will, will he stay motivated to continue I, I think the only things that will keep him going now were you know look he wants to get the belts back um, he gets a couple of good wins a third fight with Joshua should he retain his belts certainly isn't out the question but for now he needs to go away as Steve said look at himself in a big mirror a very large mirror and see what he wants to do and that money that money don't last forever baby taxes in America like a motherfucker trainers you've got to pay your trainers you know what I mean you're not getting any endorsements now because you just lost so fucking we saw it with Maidana didn't we like he, got, he blew that Floyd money pretty quickly like that's a five year you know and I would have thought an investment like a, a fucking a Rolls Royce is a stupid investment even for the for the amount of money that he got like so you know you have to live the life like us be consistent like us do you know what I mean live the life completely dedicate yourself to boxing podcasts and you yeah. too you know, <laughs> stay humble and stay hungry but the, you were mentioning that the one thing that Joshua the one thing Joshua's done right is he's got a team around him he, he, like, he has a manager that looks after everything, you know, like all the, he basically just turns up, you know, for the like commercial aspects and things like that. And they model his, you know, like they suit his lifestyle. He'll go here and he'll do, you know, like his media things and stuff like that. But he has a proper team around him. As you say with Ruiz, he didn't have the chance to install a team because he was never used to anything like this. And overnight, like you said, all, um, all the Klingons and things like that were just, were out in force, getting pissed with him and things like that, and, and they've ultimately cost him his biggest fight of uh, his career. Hey, today Dave Lobach's disappeared, so we won't be able to get his views on any fights he hasn't seen. Gabe's with us, coming to you shortly. The guys in the chat are sensing that that might not have been Ruiz in the ring. It might have been a ringer, possibly Andy Cruz Jr. <laughs> we'll have a look into that one, Andy. It wasn't actually him. It was <laughs> it was possibly somebody else. Paul Massingham threw one in on Facebook. He said, AJ proved me wrong. He can fight on the back foot, but I can't see Hearn risking him against someone like Wilder. It would be lights out. Also, I'm gutty for Michael Hunter, adding winning 116-112. Don't know where the draw came from. I thought Povetkin was might have just sneaked that fight, so maybe I'm part of the problem, Paul. Uh, Terry Woodfine was asking about where Ruiz goes next. Uh, he needs to be promoted properly, taken seriously. I think we've already answered that, to be honest with you. Uh, Gabe, you were on last night. Anybody who hasn't listened to that, shame on them. Give us the lowdown of what Gabe Lewis was seeing when Anthony Joshua reclaimed his belts in Saudi. Yeah, it was... It was my thoughts on it haven't changed at all. I mean, it was 50%. Uh, Ruiz being a fat, lazy shit before camp, during camp, uh, most assuredly after camp if things continue the way they've gone. And and the other 50% was AJ being very disciplined in how he approached the fight uh, in terms of his strategy and his application of that strategy. Um, I mean, you could say all you wanted to about how how fat and out of shape Ruiz was, but the fact of the matter remains is that AJ – very rarely in that fight ever got to the point where uh, he allowed Ruiz to get to him. And and that's all it was. It was never a case of Ruiz did anything to help himself out or to help put himself in a position to land the punches. It was always a case of where AJ had uh, uh, maneuvered into a position that wasn't favorable. And I think that there were times where you could see flashes that he maybe thought about going back and trying to bang a little bit. But it, it quickly got to the point where uh, you realized uh, he knew what he was trying to do and 
And the longer the fight went on, the more kind of incredulous I was about the fact that he was able to maintain that discipline and stay boxing outside. I just never saw it happening uh, the way that it did. I, I tremendously applaud that he was able to do that because in my mind, he's never been disciplined enough to, to do what he did last night. So, uh, you know, I think it was, I think it was equal measures of both what Ruiz did and in what Joshua did, uh, fair play for, uh, anyone that called that fight. Cause I certainly didn't expect AJ to be focused or, uh, precise in the ways that he was. And, and he did what he had to do. Um, going back earlier, I, I heard your question of, uh, about whether that was a Klitschko 2.0. Um, no, because Andrew Ruiz didn't belong there in the grand scheme of things in a way that, that he'll be back. He's not a guy that we're going to see get back there, and he's not a guy that we're going to see going forward in a lot of big, tremendous, meaningful fights. Um, so looking at the levels of what you're talking about, uh, it, it maybe was a bit Klitschko-esque in the, in the style that it was, but in the overall regards to a, a really good fighter uh, using his advantages, I doubt it was much more of that. I think it was much more of, of AJ did what he had to do and what he could do against the slob. And I don't think that style of fight's going to uh, last for him. Um, I don't think he's going to continue to fight that way, and I think he's going to get... Um, blasted out again at some point and it may be another shocker definitely wilder or fury are going to beat him but uh i wouldn't be surprised if somebody else maybe a little bit better shape maybe a little bit better height and reach uh can go in and do the business on him because he's not going to be able to keep everyone back like that um he was with ruiz because ruiz was so out of shape and slow he couldn't even maneuver himself into a good position to attempt to work his way inside that was how far away it was. It wasn't about he was trying to do it. He didn't really even try because he couldn't. He was so badly out of shape and, and, and disgusting that he couldn't maneuver himself into position to even attempt to get inside. Uh, so it was disappointing uh, for those of us, I'm sure, who were hoping Ruiz would do the business again. Um, but it was, it was a solid performance by one guy. Yeah, not as much time as usual tonight, guys, because we were on last night. Mixler limiting us to another hour and a half or so, so we're going to fly through the undercard with the boys who haven't Steve, had a chance Steve, to have Steve. their say. Before we do that, wrapping, Rob, go on quickly. Sorry, a final note, because Andy mentioned his own commentary being horrendous. Sky commentary was the borderline ridiculous last night. Towards the end of the 12th round, Adam Smith said, uh, Anthony Joshua is about to reclaim his, his, and then Bellew finished it for him. He went, Kingdom. He was like, yes, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I thought he was going to say, which could be some way related to the bombing in Manchester the night of Ariana Grande. <laughs> we'll never forget. And I wish Bellingham would just fade to Bolivian at this stage, man. He's fucking shocking. Absolutely shocking. Monitor lizards. Say, imagine spending £25 and you tune in and Tony Bellew and his posh voice are doing the commentary. I mean, it's horrendous. What was Paulie Malinaji doing last night? Showtime. He was doing Eubank. Showtime card. He was doing Eubank. Yeah, that was a big pity. But come here, Bellew with a weak front runner for me because talk about paying for it. I was going to have the old man over last night, have a bit of a party. I broke the beers out. 
and he's odd with streams like I couldn't stream Klitschko hey years ago and he already had a fucking heart attack so I, and if he thought I was paying for it he wouldn't come because so I just said I have the channel like come up so I paid for it and then he said he had the fucking flu and he didn't come up it was raging raging <laughs> <laughs> Bob contributing to Sky Sports there. Terry Woodfine said, I watched the fight through a DAZN stream. It was funny to hear their commentary stating they felt uncomfortable being behind the Sky commentary team because every time AJ landed, all the Sky ones were up jumping, screaming, up and down. How can these people possibly provide impartial commentary? They're not there to provide impartial commentary. They're there to uh, commentate on a product and push a product to you. You've got DAZN money. You've got Sky Sports money. Now you've got Saudi Arabian money all being thrown in. An amazing amount of money flying around boxing at the moment. Or is it Smido? Or is it what about this undercard? What go on, Andy, quickly then before we bring Smido in. I remember ESPN was the same way. Tim Bradley kind of like shitting on people for you know the one they fighting people and all that sort of stuff. So they've all got vested interests. ESPN, the Zone, you know, Sky, BT, Showtime. You know, Brian Kenny was abysmal last night, deplorable. And Sergio Mora, I'll get only him later at Bell of the Week. Sorry, Smido, you go, mate. Smido, tell me about Dillian White. He only had three weeks' notice to prepare, apparently. They only told him three weeks ago he was going to be fighting on this card. Bullshit. Bullshit, Smido. He came in fat to misdirect PED gate. What about that, then? Well, I mean, I think that... I mean, I didn't watch any of the undercards, so I'll be very swift. Um, I, um, well, I did see the, about the last four rounds of Povetkin Hunter, and I kid you not, I've got a screenshot after nine rounds um, that Michael Hunter was 1 to 250 to 1. On the uh, on on the in play odds after the, after eight or nine rounds, one to two hundred and fifty to win, and it ended up a draw. So that tells me all I need to know about the scoring of that fight. In terms of Dillian White, I think that the fact that a um, athlete under um, investigation by UCAD uh, taking part in a in a licensed fight elsewhere, um, whilst apparently under investigation, would have been highly embarrassing to to UCAD. I think that. Um, Edward and Dillian and have pulled a, a good one there. I think they've kind of forced the hand of UKIP, uh, UKIP, UCAD. There was, um, they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that they were confident that they were, quote unquote, innocent, and have forced the hand of UCAD. And then they released that statement on Friday night, and they was obviously all delighted. Them, you know, people. There's much more knowledgeable people on the matter. On this on this uh, Skype call than, than myself, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty damn fishy that white stuff. But the rest of the undercard, don't care. Don't blame you, Smith. Don't blame you at all. You cannot fit for purpose, in my opinion. Andy Dillian White, you can mention him if you want. Marius Watt gave a better account of himself. Philip Hergovic against Eric Molina. Molina shouldn't have been in the ring in the first place. Don't know what the ref was doing. Those rabbit punches were getting pretty egregious from what I saw. I also thought Povetkin probably just shaded it against Michael Hunter. Don't really care going forward, other than maybe Hunter has found his level. Yeah, I think so. I, I was actually in and out of the between that fight because the wee man was kind of waking up during the time, so I didn't really catch the whole fight. But um, Hunter, I, f- I felt was, was was doing okay, but I just thought the experience Pivetkin was shown at times as well. Uh, white whack was absolutely deplorable. Um, you know, the shape of White turning in and stuff like that as well. Two hundred seventy-one pounds, and he said post fight that he'd been in the gym training. Well, obviously no recently anyway. Um, Majidov, um, Tom Little was just. Just a payday fight, I suppose, and Hergovic. I'm not impressed with this guy whatsoever. And, you know, okay, he's touted as one of the top upcoming prospects at heavyweight and stuff like that. But I, I seen him live in, in, in Riga. And even then, he's 
he's, he's stiff, he's upright, and all he's got is, is, is straight shots. So, you know, when he get, we need to see him up in levels, because you say Eric Molina is, shouldn't have been in there last night. Um, so I need to see him up, uh, get him tested up at a kind of topper level and stuff like that, because I, I, I just don't know where he's at. Because someone with movement, like, say, say that was Joshua, he was fighting there last night. Consider how Joshua fought. Joshua would have fucking toyed with him, played with him. You know, Fury would play with him, and I'm sorry, Wilder would absolutely flatline him. So, yeah, um, we need to see him. I would like to see him in the likes of maybe, I would say maybe Parker's about too early doors, and that, but I'd like to see him in the likes of maybe Dubois, something like that. Maybe, I think Tom Schwartz is a bit too much, I think, eh, to, to kind of like maybe, you know, lay a test on him. But as I say, I mean, we've talked about this last year. I know Adam Abramovich made a comment last week and stuff about. You know, heavyweight division being in the great state of affairs, and I chimed in saying it's shit. It is shit. You know, we're just back at square one again. We've got the top three guys waiting for Usyk to make a breakthrough. You know, Ortiz stick a fork in him. Rivas probably never be seen again at this point, and Ruiz can forget about him. Kowarnicki and uh, jo- uh, Joyce, and you know, guys like that, Dubois. These are the type of guys I kind of hope they kind of come through next and that as well. Joyce has got a very short uh, shelf life at this point, so he's going to get fast tracked. So I would like to see maybe Joyce and Hergovic at this point and stuff, but you know, I don't know if, if Hergovic is a, is a hen fighter, so that might make that fight a wee bit kind of impossible to make by the Frank Warren situation, you know? He's not a hen fighter. He's aligned to Sauerland, who I think will just go wherever the money is. That's right. A quick couple That's of missed. shows, I'm just going to... Yeah, he was running around at ringside. A couple of shows I'll just mention. We're not going to discuss them. They're over in Canada. We might be seeing the final embers of David Lemieux's career. He went in against Max Bursak, who's never been any any great shakes at world level, probably a European-level operator. Seen him in the past. He's supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders at one point, but Saunders pulled out. Anyway, uh, Lemieux beat him on a split decision. 94-93 on all three cards. Two to Lemieux and one to Bursak, so a point each way. So that tells me Lemieux's really struggled with this guy. Could be seeing the end of him. Arslan Beck Mahmoud of heavyweight worth keeping an eye on 10 and 0 knocked out the hapless Samuel Peter the Nigerian nightmare having a nightmare getting knocked out in one round Simon Keane knocked out Sergei Lykovic in the 10th round and that's about it for that card over in Australia a couple of favourites lost Trent Broadhurst was knocked out in the third round by unbeaten David Light Nathaniel May uh, lost unanimous decision to Bruno Torimo and I was telling the boys off air hardcore's hardcore this week I saw Tim Sue against Jack Brubaker. Always been interested in Sue because his old man was one of the top fighters, the premier fighters around the sport. Whenever I first started becoming a hardcore back in 2000, there was a lot of buzz around the forums about him unifying with Zab Judah. So I always liked Kostya and his son Tim is going about things the right way. Fourth round knockout over Jack Brubaker. No real punching power Brubaker. The corner threw in the tail after taking some heavy punishment. Sue took a lot of punches, I thought. Maybe it was because Brubaker wasn't a puncher and he felt he could just weigh into him and batter him. But he took a few shots. He'll have to tighten up at world level when they eventually move him over to America if he follows the path uh, that was trodden by his father. Uh, where shall we go next? Brooklyn, Barclays Centre, Jamal Charlo, 7th round knockout over Dennis Hogan, Marlon Tapales, getting knocked out in the 11th round by Ryosuke Iwasa. And Chris Eubank Jr. will be on to him shortly. First of all, Jamal Charlo, Dennis Hogan, respect to Hogan. He's a tough nut, Rob. No quitting him, but Charlo was just too big and too strong, as predicted by you last week. Yeah, that just goes to show that I'm not biased, right? Because Hogan's the Irish fighter. I just knew he's going up six pounds, coming in I've against Charlo, who's naturally probably fucking 175. Like, I just knew he was going to get knocked out when he got caught. And um, Charlo, I don't think he's showing anything by knocking out Dennis Hogan. No, respect, no disrespect to him. 
they should have should have had his world title after beating uh, Mongia, but didn't work for for him. But I understand why he took the fight, but high profile fight, but high risk, low reward for Hogan there. Like I'm sure he'll be back at 154 where he belongs, but that was a that was a kind of a no win situation for him. At least he got paid, I guess, so and got a bit of exposure. He didn't acquit himself terribly or anything, but I it was going to be over for him. Hogan didn't disgrace himself whatsoever. A word from you on this one, Andy. You can talk about Hogan Charlo if you want, but what about Chris Eubank Jr. and Matt Korobov? Something I noticed about oh. Eubank, and this isn't going to be news to people, but I just noticed he threw a punch in the first round, and I, I looked at his feet for some reason, and his footwork was terrible. His Shocking. body contorted out of shape. His feet were all bent, and I thought to myself, this guy's completely out of position. Any half-decent boxer, as a couple I've done already, are going to make mincemeat to this fellow. And I was liking what I saw from Korobov in the first round. It was a damn shame what happened to him. Oh, man, we were all looking forward to it last week as well. And it was shaping up as well because, you say, we've noticed about Eubank before now as well. Even he throws these sloppy uppercuts and stuff like his, his feet were always off... You know, but um, what else can you say about the fight other than the fact is when he threw the left hand? At first, I thought it was his shoulder blade that popped out of position, but then, you know, as he went into the, the corner, he's talking about his muscle and that, so it's maybe a torn muscle, but I think that's him done now, really, uh, not so much elite level, but a world level um, or whatever level you want to put Eubank at, you know, Korobov's finished there. Um, again, man, this is what I'm talking about Eubank, you know, it's like he beats up fucking washed fighters or injured ex-vets you know it's just it's you know I didn't, I didn't want to keep harping on about it but you know when's he going to fucking fight a, a, you know, a legit fight a legit opponent and you know, that's some new that was back in the middleweight I think it uh, was it no that fight and so if it was I think he's yes. potential be him. for Alvarez that'll be him in the fucking he'll be in the supermarket now with this belt that he won via injury when he lost the fucking first round of the fight he'll oh. be showing off that belt all over the place now <laughs> But uh, again, listen, I'll tell you what, just it'll be interesting to see who he fights next because I'll tell you what, don't be surprised if it's absolutely someone who is absolute dog shit, like I'm not saying Toronto Johnson dog shit and stuff like that, but he's been found out at a certain level. Michael Zarafa's got himself back into contention as well, so don't be surprised to see that fight. That's a type of typical Eubank type opponent. You know, I see Nandam's fighting Chudinov next week as well, so that's battles of the wash. So you can see Eubank picking up the fucking the carcass of the loser of that fight. You know, that's just who it is. You know, he's 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 just kind of like flim flammed his way around about this his his entire career, and it sounds like again another hater comment, but that's how it is. He dug Golovkin. You know, he spoke all that shit when it came to signing the contract. All of a sudden, his pen ran out of ink, or he fucking he didn't have a pen on him at all, or whatever and stuff like that. You know, except super middleweight for a wee bit, and he comes back down and weight and that. It's just just a meh fucking career, that's all it is. But like his old man, you know, towards the end, he's, you know, he's Sky kind of tour, you know. Yeah, Fedor Chudinov, Andy mentioned there, is fighting in Russia on Friday the 13th. It could be a nightmare for the original Jack in the Box. Hassan and Dam, he's going to be fighting until he's about 50, that guy. He's fighting Chudinov in Russia next Friday night. So one of those guys might be finding their way to a world title opportunity sooner or later. Ozzy, Emmanuel Alim, who somehow got a draw with... Uh, Kov, no, not Kovlev, Korobov, sorry, in his last fight, lost to Ronald Ellis. Korobov was quite the prospect at one point. See, whenever he turned pro with Bob Arum, he had multiple gold medals and all over the shop. I think he might have been world gold medalist at one point. Based himself in Florida, changed his name from Matt Vay to Matt Korobov, tried to Americanise him. They thought he was going to be a big talent, but having a shoulder injury now at this point of his career, it ain't going to help him. 
A few people were saying that, oh, he, it was a fake, he wasn't really injured, and maybe they'll make a rematch. But if he's not really injured, why is he going to have to make a rematch for? Because he's going to have to fight the guy sooner or later. It was genuine to me. Did you see anything of Korobov, Eubank, or Charlo Hogan, Ozzy? I did, and it was. I thought Korobov had a really good first round as well. Um, he landed at will at times, and... I mean, you, you can't go into it too much because it was around. And then when he uh, when the injury came, it was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. I thought he'd popped his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> and you look at him, and you're expecting, you know, to see like um, a bone popping out or something. There was nothing, and you're thinking like, what the hell has gone on there? Uh, can, I, can I just add something in, Aussie? Sorry mm. to interrupt you. I noticed on one of the forums earlier. I think it was the Boxrec forum. Someone said. It was brought to my attention that the corner were using ice on Korobov's shoulder after the first round, so it seems like he clearly came in with the injury. So good work to that guy who ever noticed that. Quite possibly, and that would make sense then. Uh, the only time I've ever seen something like this happen before was when, um, so early in the fight, was when Jose Sapida boxed Terry Flanagan, and he threw a shot and he dislocated his uh, shoulder as well, and they were trying to pop it back in in the corner. Um, Matter of fact... I- you, Eubank is the king of winning fights by getting lads to pop their shoulder out, as JJ McDonough can tell you. <laughs> I'll fight you now with one shoulder, Chris. <laughs> Joe Groves as well. Yeah, George Groves popped his shoulder against uh, Eubank as well in the in the last round, wasn't it? Or was it? Yeah, in the last round. Uh, but no, you, you can't really, you, you can't give credit now, criticise for this because look, it was there was a round. He lost. Eubank lost a round. But then, I mean, for me, it should be it should be declared a no contest, something like that, because it was just a freak injury. I mean, to give um, Eubank, you know, a, a, a win over him from that perspective is just it just seems a bit shoddy, really. Um, I, I didn't realise that last night the interim WBA middleweight title was on the line as well. I had no idea about that. Um, so, Lord knows what that means for. Eubank Jr. next. Uh, are they going to, as Andy said, are they going to dig up for him? Um, I'm just looking at the ra- looking at the rankings now. I think we can rule out Jacobs, Golovkin, uh, Charlo, Derviachenko, Andra. Yeah, someone like Michael Zarafa, uh, Jeff Horn. Charlo's like a winnable that. fight too. Charlo's a winnable fight for him. I think I don't rate any challenge whatsoever. I mean, that one last night, as I says, as Rob says, he brought up Hogan six pounds, right? But he mm-hmm. looked. He looked terrible in his last two fights. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, he, I thought he battered Hogan as well. He, he looked, they, they looked a, a weight division, maybe you know, like a weight division and a half between them. Um, and again, I mean, look at the last what you, you've got. Because um, I mean, I thought the Korovov cards uh, in the fight with Charlo were quite wide, actually, and a bit unfair on Korovov. I thought he gave Charlo a fight in that, but you look at his record and. You know, in his past six, four or five fights, you've got uh, Jorge Highland who beat Matthew Macklin. You know, like just shit. And Brandon Adams, and like you said, you've got Korobov, um, Hugo Santana Jr., and now Dennis Hogan. You, you kind of want to see these guys step up, you know, and actually, you, you know, like fight, you know, like legit fighters. I, mean, I think people are getting sick of just seeing, you know, like people pulling up like Dennis Hogan. No disrespect to Dennis Hogan, but fuck me, come on. Yeah. Like we're in this day and age now, where you know there's probably as much money as there's ever been in boxing, and we struggle to make the bigger fights, and we're pulling up fighters, you know, like 
making him come up six. I know it's only six pounds, but it's a fucking lot of weight, particularly you know when you're the smaller man in there as well. Um, who, who knows who we're going to see next? I mean, was it on last night to start paving the way between a potential Charlo Eubank fight? Um, yes, that's I, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So look, look, if that happens next thing, fair play, good on to you, uh, good on. Um, Eubank Jr., but I mean, he's hardly had the most ideal prep. Like we say, the Korobob fight I thought was quite tricky for him. It was an interesting choice of opponent. Um, but what did we learn from him? Absolutely nothing in it. And if he gets it, goes into a world title next, uh, beating up a bashed up James DeGale, and then, like you say, a, a, a bit of a fraudulent win over Korobov isn't exactly the best prep going in at the top level. Yeah, talking of shoulder injuries, I always go back to the Danny Williams one from back at the turn uh, 2001, was it 2000, when he fought Mark Potter and dislocated yeah, his right shoulder and he had to but, fight uh, Potter hey. for about two or three rounds with the left hook and he knocked him out. He, he <laughs> knocked knocked him Harrison. Yeah, yeah, he, Harrison. He, yeah, Harrison knocked out Michael Sprott with one arm as well. That was one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. Not. Unbelievable. Do you remember, it was in the last round, Harrison yep. was a biz- fight. Oh yeah, miles behind. And then from nowhere, he just lands that big hook and fuck me. Sprott was just gone, wasn't it? Absolutely out cold. He was not, I think he was got, he'd gone to another planet and came back. Yeah, and uh, talking of shoulder injuries, uh, yours truly. Um, my right shoulder kept coming out back in the day, curtailed my career, ended up having to get it bolted. I have a big scar down the right-hand side, so I am also suffered in this illustrious company. I think Dean Francis used to have shoulder problems as well. Once your shoulder goes, it can be fixed, it can be restructured, but if you're a boxer, not a regular punk like me, then it's going to be difficult. It's always going to be in the back of your mind every time you throw a shot. Is this going to go? Is this going to hold up? I think it's difficult when something like that's happened to fight back. <clears throat> also, on the injury situation, I know already mentioned there, but a no contest. I actually agree with you that in instances like last night with Kovalev, where... Korobov, sorry, where it seems clear enough that there is an injury and it's genuine. It does seem harsh, but you have to mitigate against guys who would use that rule to their advantage to sort mm. of get out of a fight. You know, they're four or five rounds in, they're like, fuck this. If I say my shoulder's gone, then, uh, you know, I'm going to be able to get a payday here and maybe escape or whatever. You can understand that, Aussie, why they would do that across the board because yeah. it's subjective, you know, so look, it, it rules for everybody. Yeah, and I, I agree with that and I understand it, but. You could just limit it to, you know, like in the first, you know, like they do with the cut. If four rounds aren't completed, it's just it's just a no contest. Um, there, there could be ways and, you know, like means against it. And look, if Korobov was doing it and he was doing, you know, like, um, you know, whatever, he was, he was unloading and then he broke his hand or something like that or something a bit different, then no, that's part and parcel of the game. But from that perspective Ooh. yesterday, you couldn't even tell when he did it either. Because, you know, it's not as if, you know, like, he tried to land, you know, like a big shot and he put everything into it. He kind of, like, yeah. prodded out with something and then he just backed off and, like, waved the white flag and said, hang on, something's not right here. It was it was a really bizarre situation. But on um, on for an opponent for Eubank Jr., it's never going to happen next. But I think him against Liam Williams will be an excellent fight. Go on, Roberto, jump in there before we get Gabe in on Charlo. No, I was just going to say they could just hire their own doctors, like and pay, have it pending a uh, look at the doctor. Like he just goes, yeah, no shoulders out, boom, no contest, easy, like you know. 
There you go, Rob, sorting out the boxing problems. Episode 352 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Uh, Rob is joined by Gabe, by Ozzy, by Andy and me. I think Dave the Hater Lurbuck's floating about there somewhere. Smido's left us for the evening. Thank you for his contribution. Gabe, anything from you before we get on to the Crawford fight and whatever else is going on next week? Belly of the Weeks uh, on Charlo against Hogan or indeed Eubank against Korobov. Is Eubank the future of the middleweight division, Gabe? No, he's back down there, slim down in weight. Eubank's not shit. Fuck that guy. Okay, and what about Charlo? Crying like a little bitch. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, I, I, he'll always be around some way or the other. Uh, I, I mean, just because of his namesake. Uh, so it would be it would be quite silly to think otherwise. Um, as far as a, a, a real Crying champion, like a bitch. I mean, maybe he'll get that WBA. Uh, what is their? What is that newest one they put out a while back? It was almost like an interim, interim champion, diamond champion, or is that? Fuck, <laughs> well, who knows? Whatever it is, he'll be. He might be able to pick that strap up, uh, pay them their big half million dollar sanctioning fee, and get an interim, interim title. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Eubank is is Eubanking at this point. If anybody really watches his career and believes he's going to be much more than he, than he already is. Uh, I mean, they must be a complete casual or utterly blind. Um, but as far as Charlo goes, I mean, I don't know. Those guys are so fucking boring. Do something different. Why don't you try to get a, a fight with somebody meaningful? Do something big. They keep fighting these stupid shows, and and the PBC gave them the, the uh, big card with both the brothers on there at one time as kind of a, a showcase deal. And, I mean, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Fucking find someone. Uh, quit, quit going around and bringing in guys like Dennis Hogan. No offense to Dennis Hogan, absolutely none. Uh, I thought I made myself known on on last week's pod that I respected him as a fighter and uh, would have loved to get him to see have another chance at at fucking lard ass Jaime Munguia, uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. There, um, but uh, you know I, they, they just bore me. They don't do anything meaningful. So to me, that's that's where I have an issue with them. I do think they're good, solid fighters. Um, and I do think they're guys that will typically, uh, until they begin a downhill slide, will be in, in the title picture in some way, shape, format. But it just doesn't do anything for me right now. And the PBC product in general is rather lackluster most of the time uh, with their tendency to match up with their own guys and bring in fighters that, you know, aren't top-tier competition. And that's just the way I look at it. And the Charlos fit right in with all that shit. Completely agree, Gabe. Well done, PBC. Praise be to Al Heyman. Echoing those statements myself. Andy, full respect for you for sitting through this one. I wasn't even going to put it on the roster, but you have outdone us as always. German Ankoyas, IBF Super World Flyweight Titleist. I think he was supposed to fight recently, Ankoyas, yeah. but his opponent didn't get a visa or something. Miguel Gonzalez. I'm assuming this isn't the same guy in Mexico. And also Emmanuel Navarrete, boxing's busiest boxer, getting his uh, weekly outing, this time against Francisco Horta. Fourth-round knockout, Bob. Bob, he's fairly, he's fairly draining the last bit of juice out of Navarrete, isn't he? Fair play to him. <laughs> I, he's done well last night, but... <clears throat> 
Um, to be honest, I only caught the stoppage, so I didn't know how much uh, much about Horta and that. But the the, the, the one fight actually, and Cajas was actually quite impressive for a change. Actually, I know he's been given a lot of shit in the past or the last maybe the last few defences, and especially the ones that went to decisions. I think he might have been drawn there somewhere as well. But the guy Gonzalez that he fought actually was the one that um, one of the Maloney brothers went to Chile and defeated. So that was the one I was talking about. We had the female referee. It looked like home cooking was on the was on the setup and that until Maloney got the knockout. But no, um, and Ka, uh, and Cajas actually, they said on the commentary that he's had a promotion in the Navy, Navy Reserve and that he spent all his time in the Navy uh, camp or whatever it is and you know dedicated himself to his fight. So uh, he's um, he's taken over and getting the defences. So I think that was his seventh or eighth defence. His title and stuff, but that's all good. I like to I like to see him in. Doing some unification fights sometime. Well, no next, but I soon. I like to see maybe fight Ioka. Um, Estrada would be a good fight, but um, I think if we're looking at the the four champs and stuff, I would probably put maybe put Ancahas uh, running about maybe number three probably. Um, we'll wait and see. But um, I don't know what's happened with Yafai actually. He's been kind of quiet recently. And Andrew Maloney's obviously sitting on his title uh, you know, shot as well. So he might be getting the uh, the Yafai fight as well shot at some point. But yeah, um, as I say, it's good performance by Ancahas. It was uh, it was very very uh, ruthless in what he'd done. And um, the ending actually when you know basically I, think he, I forget what he caught me actually, but he staggered Gonzalez badly and just jumped over the top of him. And the referee stepped in and stopped the fight and stuff like that. So he, he done what he had to do. Uh, Gonzalez knew, as I say, that's I think that's his second defeat. But if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, like he spent his entire career mostly in Chile and stuff. So. Um, I really, I really don't know how much we can know, but I'm sorry, I've got sound like I'm laughing. I've actually got a cough in my throat here. <coughs> but um, aye, and Cajas, as I say, is, uh, hopefully unification fights next. But when they kind of hold my hands, uh, hold my hopes out, and actually probably be defence on an ESPN. Uh, well, sorry, um, as I say, Bob Arm is talking about he's got 30 dates to fill next year. Ten of them hopefully are going to be abroad. So wouldn't be surprised to see and Cajas maybe kind of pop a card and maybe in the Philippines or something like that next year as well. We'll wait and see. Yeah, I think it's interesting he's going abroad. They're making it out like this is a good thing and they're trying to tip boxing around the world. Bullshit, the ticket sales aren't there in America at the moment. American boxing struggling. Hey to Dave Lowback, you're back on with us in time for the Terence Crawford preview. Did you actually see anything from over the weekend, Dave? If so, let me know now. If not, maybe you want to talk about something else, maybe non-boxing, maybe something you're a little bit ashamed of. Who knows, Dave? Talk to me about something. Steve, I saved those for our personal DMs. Um... Mm-hmm. But as far as boxing, uh, I didn't see a damn Be thing. Be safe. I, I have been following boxing, but you know I, I just can't watch it. I'm working during while well, all the fights are happening. But uh, I'm happy to preview Crawford, except for the fact that I forget who he's fighting. We want to be honest. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Good to have you with us on this Sunday evening. Over in Spain next week, Ozzy, any interest in this uh, Barcelona card? David Avinesian, we were hoping for the Josh Te- Kelly fight. He's defending his European welterweight title against Jose Del Rio. Also, former pod guest Joe Hughes gets another opportunity for the European title. Well-deserved against this Sandor Martin, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing. I think this is a Thursday night uh, Matchroom Spain venture, the first one. Correct. Uh, it is... Um... Hughes Martin's quite a, quite a good fight actually. Um, I mean, right, Joe Hughes off at your peril because he's gone in, in the as the underdog a few times now, when as a really upset the apple, apple cart. And for me, look, this is another fight that he can win. He's shown that he can operate at this level. 
Um, I, I don't read too much into these, you know, like these uh, Spaniards and Italians who've got these, you know, like beefed up records and things like that. I remember, uh, I'm sure Martin got uh, pretty beaten up by Anthony Yigit uh, and he was left in a right mess. And Yigit's pretty feather fisted, to be honest. Uh, but I mean, now, yeah, you, I'm just just come onto his record. You see, he's 35 and 2. But in reality, how many good fights has he had? I mean, he's boxing like he's Hungarian, Adam May, the Hungarian, and things like that. And Georgie Mizzy Jr., just just rubbish, basically. Um, as for Hughes, he'll be going over there as he does. Like he said when he was on the podcast, he's he's an away fighter. Um, he, he, he lives down, I think it's Bristol Way or something like that, or um, no, Malmesbury. So there's, there's not much boxing that happens around there. And, and he regularly travels and he'll just embrace it. Um, as for Abanessian, this is a bit of um, a knockover, this for him. Um, f- fully deserved from this perspective. Uh, he's He had two tough fights out in, well, funnily enough, in Spain, actually, against the uh, Lorian, won twice. Uh, they're certainly building the Josh Kelly fight. I think he's got a free fight deal with Matchroom now, Avanessian. Uh, this kicks it off nicely, it ticks him over. And I've got a feeling that they'll be looking to make that Kelly fight in the first quarter of next year. So that's a fight to look forward to. Uh, certainly one that Avanessian can win. Um, and like I said, I think this is probably going to be relatively routine for him on Thursday. Rest of the undercard, I haven't got a clue who anybody is. Aside from... Um, I recognise the name. Uh, that I, Ivan Thomas. And that was because he boxed on a um, a Matchroom Italy card against Devis Bosciero. Uh, so, yeah, there was... Um, that's it. And I can't even tell you about what's it called. Um, I, I couldn't tell you if he's any good or whatsoever. He got battered off that Bosciero. But, no, it's just another one of these things, isn't it? I don't know why Eddie Hearn's doing it. Will he be out in Barcelona? Probably not. So it's one of them, really. Um, I hope Joe Hughes wins, though. He uh, he deserves a bit of luck. Wrapping up, Kelly, question came in for you from Max Stoke. He said, with Eddie quick hands her and uploading numerous videos of him throwing combinations on the pads, the speedball and the wall pad, how would wrapping Rob Kelly fare with him? Three times two minute rounds, no head guards, 10 ounce gloves, both just turned 40 or over, six foot two and over. How would this fare? Could it be competitive? And Rob mentioned before he'd spar him. Eddie wouldn't want to spar me, man. Would you stop, would you? Fellow with a haircut like that couldn't beat me. He get, would get this smoke off me. That's what he get. He get these two hands in his face. Eddie Hearn would be able for that over six minutes. I couldn't lose to a. I would never lose to a fellow with hair plugs. Would never lose to a fellow with hair plugs. <laughs> I got a bit of everything in there. I got a bit of Roy. I got a bit of bit of Roy. A bit of B Hop. Bit of James Tony. Whatever you want. Bam, bam. Oh, he would be able to live with me. I'm gonna upload a video to scare him. <laughs> bop, bop, bop. <laughs> Dr. Joseph Ajay. What about Dr. Joseph Ajay THD PhD, Rob? Would you fancy your chances with him? Because he actually put a message up. Let me see if I can find it now. Um, I think he was calling out Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, here we are. It was nominated for Bell of the Week from Derek THD PhD. Uh, Dr. Joseph said, "It was in 1986 I turned bot. Though I was not, I was in my late 20s when I turned bot pro. I did not start my boxing career early. That was my plan then, and I trained for it. But the god of destiny had other things for me. I would have given Mike Tyson a good fight." 
Well, there you go. He could have been. Uh, where is he from? The the good doctor in Nigeria. Nigeria. Mm-hmm. He could be the Nigerian Mitch Green. <laughs> I'd say me. I'd say me skills are slightly better than the good doctor, given that he's twenty two years my senior. Um, I think I might be able to give him a run for his money as well if I get on the miso soup. Yeah, he said he would never lose to a Well, he's fucking killing me. He's, he's fucking killing me with that button. I know he is. He's at it again. I'm not. Andy, he's I'm fucking not. at it. Ask, ask in the chat. I haven't, I haven't played anything. I haven't. Ask the chat. I haven't played nothing. I'm just listening to you, Rob, and enjoying your commentary and punditry as always. Aye, because the chats are bashing your truth as well, eh? <laughs> trust those fuckers as they throw them the boys know the truth listen back on YouTube during the week SoundCloud or iTunes Rob nice little plug getting in there shout out to everyone in the chat Lee the alcoholic frotch take aims Tosh they know the truth in there Joe Kennedy is in he wants the Joe, Dr Joseph on the pod you know what Dr Joseph is one of my finest creations I'm glad that I have managed to bring him out to the boxing world he was nominated about a year ago or a year and a half ago for Belly of the Week and I said this is a guy that I can work with. I can bring Dr. Joseph Ajayo to his shell. Now I've noticed there's little memes with him. There's little Christmas hats been photoshopped onto his head and lipstick Dr. Joseph Ajayo memes as well. So I'm, I'm really glad. It's one of my finest achievements. Enough of all that. Let's go on to... What should we go on to next? That's the good question. I think that we're going to Madison Square Garden, Andy Review, New York. Let's put Terence Crawford aside for one minute because there are actually a few good fights on this one. First of all... I don't want to sound like a hipster here because, and pick against Teofimo Lopez. He's the man on the way up, the knockout king, does a flip in the ring. A lot of people are expecting him to win this IBF title. But Richard Comey's no mug. And I am going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Andy, and say that I fancy Comey not only to give Lopez a really tough fight, but maybe take over a little bit down the stretch. The question is, if he's to win, as I am projecting here, will he get a fair shake on the cards, Comey? Um, so this is a top rank card, and Lopez is obviously one of the kind of up and comers on on that roster, shall we say? And Comey can dig as well. By the way, he's got he's got a fair bit of power about him. You know, okay, Bell trans maybe kind of passes, well, what he was passes prime and that, but still, still no, still no cheap feet to kind of go and knock that knock that guy out. Um, Lopez, okay, I mean there was problems mentioned after his after his last fight and that. Obviously, I think he got married and you know his choice of wife and that wasn't going down too well with the family or whatever and that so you know it was apparently supposedly causing them issues in his last fight it's just excuses at the end of the day but um tough tough fight and it's obviously it's, it's one that lopez is going to have to kind of figure a way, th- way through and this is what we want to see him you know he's he's going against a very very good solid veteran you know in the day he's had his gimme fights he's had these magdalenos he's had his tatlies and stuff like that and i forget the japanese guys that, that he fought at the minute but um um, I'm I'm kind of side me, mate. I think you know, given <sighs> he's got to do it clearly. I think, though, as you say, if, it, if any of those rounds are going to be close or you know debatable in the cards, like you can see Lopez maybe getting them. But uh, I will be shocked if Lopez turns his lights out. Actually, I will be shocked. And if he does, I'll be calling for Comey to retire and that because um, he had. Oh, I'm going to say he didn't have his opportunity to to unify with Loma because obviously I think he got injured and that kind of put the Lomachenko unification back or was it Loma got injured I forget which way it worked again um, so we didn't get the, the full unification fights and stuff but um, looking at it as well I didn't care about the, the, the tangibles as, as in i.e. The, the reach and 
the height and stuff like that, who's got the advantages and stuff, but I'm going to say, just off memory, I think Commie's probably going to be the bigger dude, so um, that might play a factor in that as well. Hopefully it makes the weight okay. I didn't want anybody kind of like skipping weight, struggling with the weight and stuff like that, because it is a fight we want to see Lopez, who's going to be tested, and um, there's going to be a few answers, so a few questions answered him in that as well, but um, at the minute... I'm going to. Say, I'm, it's definitely got points written over it for me, but I wouldn't be surprised in that as well if Comey can somehow find a stoppage here because it says he has he has got a fair bit of dig on him, and Lopez is stoppage. He's a kind of like he's come against. Well, he's he's not he's knockouts at this point and been kind of as he's become a, up as a prospect and against first world level fighters and that. So this is a, a legit test for him. Um, at the minute, I'm going to go with you at the minute as, as well. I'm going to see maybe Comey does it on points, but um, if he does. Um, he's gonna have to do it clearly. Um, saying that as well as we've seen some, we've seen, it's been a funny year for boxing that as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is close. Comey might get it as well. Who knows? But I th- I'm, I'm kind of hoping that uh, that Comey does do it because um, I want to see him you know, get a decent payday in that as well. Because Lopez has been speaking a lot of shit in that, you know, and then he's making excuses as well for past performances and stuff. Um, so I want to see. I says both guys fit ready to go and then uh, we'll see what happens stuff like that but at the minute I'm going to side with Comey purely on experience as I say off memory I think he's going to be the bigger guy in that as well so with the rehydration and that I think it might play a factor um, and if Lopez doesn't get it all his own way in that as well because it says you know at the end of the day he's, he's, he's give me fights that have been prospect filler fights and this is his first legit test so uh, it is a big ask for him in that as well and if he does win and wins not so much convincingly but if he wins fairly then I'll give him his due and after that, then I think we've got to kind of start saying, you know, he's been calling for the Lomachenko fight, so I didn't want to hear any shit about him being, oh, he's only 14 and old, 15 and old, whatever it is. He's a world champion by that point. And if you're a world champion, then you've got a target on your back and you've got to step up and start fighting these guys. This is what I, I hated hearing for talking about Joshua saying, as always, he's only had 21 fights or whatever it was. He's still learning on the job. Bullshit. You're a world champion. So that means as you are the man and you've got to take on all comers. That's what champions do. So we'll you act like it, God damn it. Exactly. Uh, we all know how to Dave Loback that Bob Arum likes an outrageous prediction, a projection even, Teofimo Lopez, if he wins on Saturday night against Richard Comey, becomes a world champion. What do you think that Bob Arum would come off with? Who would he be comparing Teofimo Lopez to in your idea? Give us a Bob impression. Well, let me tell you boys something. Teofimo Lopez is one of the greatest fighters I've seen in my long years in the sport. Uh, tell you another thing, some idiot on uh, the well-known podcast, The Nut House, called him Te- Teofimo Stevenson. Uh, if I hear that kind of blasphemy again, I'm going to have to break out my old law degree. Uh but I'm more interested in the main event. Terrence Crawford is a special kid. He's Tommy Hearns, Sweet Pea Whitaker, and Floyd Mayweather all rolled into one. He's going to turn this kid's lights out, and then he's going to beat the Black Jesus, the Sunroof, Parrot Jumper. Errol Spence. <laughs> 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 
It's off. Face off now to see who has the more bloodshot eyes, Errol Spence or Bob Arum. <laughs> At least when oh. Bob croaks, we'll be able, his memory will live on. Uh, Gabe, go on. Are you happy enough now, Gabe, that you got that? Gabriel? Well, let's fuck him off. We need to get a move on here. Rapping Rob Kelly, Michael Conlon against Vladimir Nikiti in the rematch of the rematch of the rematch. That's been going on for ages. I, I like Michael Conlon, known him for years, but I'll tell you what, Rob. Uh, it's on the same card, isn't it? I'll just put, I'll yeah, just Joe, put Joe Kennedy's going... Go- it is, it is. But the problem is, is that if you go on the box wreck, there's two, fight, there's two fights lined up for this card, and that's the Commie fight and Crawford. There's an issue with box wreck, isn't there? They're not hey, giving Boxwick the full schedules now. There's some di- di- dispute. Uh, but I've only only Conlon is Boxwick there, and his fight's not even listed against Nikitin or whatever it is. Yeah, it's not. Uh, pretty sure it's still on. Yeah, there's been so a He's going to watch it he's anyway. He's posting about it and all that, isn't he? So. Yeah. I mean, what what I was going to say to you was, Rob, uh, Mick's been on the show. We're all big fans of his, but I tell you what, would it, it would if he lost, it would be devastating, obviously. But it would be f- a, a really funny narrative buster. We'd have to do a bit of historical revisionism, as I was saying. You know, given the fact with the two fights beforehand in the amateurs, if he lost to Nikita in the pros, there would be a lot of narrative busting going on. What do you think, Rob? Well, I think you know, as, as controversial as the decision was, I think Nikita didn't give him a right fight. Like, so I don't, I haven't been paying much attention to what he looks like as a pro. They're saying he hasn't developed as as they'd hoped, but um, tough night for Mick. Like he's going to have to be on point, but he's a guy that he should be beating if he's going to be putting himself where he's want, where, where they're talking about putting him. So he's just a, an obstacle in the way he has to get past. But it won't be an easy night. I wouldn't I wouldn't think for anybody. Um, so interesting narrative. Like, would he box clever? I'd expect him that he would that he would box stick to boxing. And don't get involved in a slugout because that guy carries a lot of power, especially now with the the lighter gloves and all of that. So doesn't need to get into a shootout. Just box clever and get the win. Like. On to the main event then, boys. Let's start with you, Andy. Terence Crawford against Kavalowskis. They're not even putting his name on the poster. They're just calling him <laughs> Meme Machine. Don't want to confuse Any things too much. We know with the ins and outs. We, we know the, oh, you have to do it in Times New Roman size 8 or something we, uh, this is boxing in 2019 a majority draw with Ray Robinson obviously snared Kavalowskis this opportunity I just don't want Terence Crawford to play with his food I think he's levels and levels above this guy if he puts his foot down he could get rid of him within about 6 rounds and for me that's exactly what he needs to do yeah, I think so as well, mate. I mean, in the day, as you say, Kavalowskis wasn't great or fantastic in his last fight Um Hasn't really fought anybody as well. Obviously, I me mean, the Avanesian fight. Obviously, who we're watching next week and stuff. But Crawford as well. It just feels like to me he's treading water at this point. Um, the Spence fight's gone. We can forget about. It. We didn't know what happened with Spence and that as well. But he's he should come out here. Hopefully, he's in the mood. Mean how 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 we know he should be and how we can be and just go to work and just destroy him. Um, it's just to me this is like this is another this is a wasted training camp, wasted opportunity. Um this is I don't know if it's a mandatory defence, I think it might be actually for, for Crawford. Um other than that, mate, I'm I've not really got much to say about it other than the fact is Crawford shouldn't be playing with his food like you say, smash him up and then go on to the next fight and stuff, hope for a unification. 
Against maybe, maybe Manny Parker, I think he's seen no fighting Danny Garcia next. I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point with, with Crawford at the minute. It's like he's maybe going to have to go up to 154 now to try and get a, a clear defining fight at this point. Um, because if you look at the, the, those rankings of the WBO, you Vargas, Garcia, Lipinets, I think they're all PBC fighters, or Virgil Ortiz, I think he's a golden boy. Um, and if you could do the further down that list, you know, Custio Clayton and Mikhail Zewski and Michael McKinson, and who the fuck are these guys? You know, Mikey Garcia's ranked 11th in that, and Avanessian's come up and up at 12 in that. So Luther Clay's coming to top 15 as well. Um, no great, no great whatsoever. So um, you say Crawford to show this stuff, he is pound for pound, but just to maintain that ranking and stuff like that, just go in there, destroy them, do what you got to do in that six rounds, whatever. Um, just, just do it emphatically and stuff like that because at the end of the day as well as uh, I'll just repeat myself but it just, it just feels like again he's, he's just wasted you know at this point and welterweight's kind of thinning out I suppose for him and Al Heyman's kind of got that kind of locked up so we'll wait and see but uh, hopefully Crawford does it uh, emphatically and does it early in that as well because there's nothing, there's nothing worse when you see a guy who is clearly levels above someone and maybe fighting, fighting down at that level and it ends up going to a 12 round boar fest that's just bollocks man we didn't want to see that don't know how much you know about Kavalowski Sozzi 17 knockouts he was knocking people out for fun early on but as the levels rise the knockouts don't come as easily swaggy taggy in the chat echoing my sentiments why has Bud stayed with the Bob father he should have gone over to everyone's favourite promoter Uncle Al in my opinion should have crossed the street That's for you, Ozzy. Sorry, I, I, uh, I muted myself by accident. Um, yeah, only Crawford can answer that, really. Uh, but it, um, look, it's frustrating at times, but at the same time, it's not bad to see a bit of loyalty in boxing for once. Uh, I mean, you see, you know, like people chop and change all the time for for what they see fit, and you, you just hope that next year. I mean, I feel like we've said this, you know, for, the, for like the past couple of years that. 2020 now will be Terence Crawford's breakout year. Uh, look, whether I mean, I, I think we can certainly put to bed the Errol Spence fight, and for once that won't due, be due to uh, promotional issues. That because Spence will be um, still recovering from that uh, car crash that he had. But there's still other fights that can be made for him, and I just hope they are. We d we don't want to see him boxing people like this uh, Kavalowskis anymore. Um, I suspect it'll be a relatively routine win, to be honest. Um, and and then, yeah, fingers crossed, he, he hits the ground running in 2020 and he finally gets those big fights and, and shows, like, you know, like really shows what, what he can do. Um, I think a lot of people feel he's the best at 147. And now, now we just want to show it. Um we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I think I, I agree with what's it called. I agree with um, your comments on Comey. I think it's come a bit too early um, for, uh, for what's his name? I've got complete mental block. Um, Lopez. Lopez. Lopez, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just come a bit too early for him. Um, I thought he showed vulnerabilities in his last fight, and someone of Comey's calibre uh, will certainly be good enough to take advantage of that. That's saying, could it be a, a, a real breakout fight for Lopez from where he shows he is the real deal and how, how good people um, say he is? That's saying, I just think Comey's got the experience. He's operated at this level for, for a while now. And his two losses 
were uh, extremely controversial. He's never really been dominated, you know, at this top level. He's awkward, he's tough, he can punch. He's a nightmare at times for anybody, really, because, like I say, he doesn't hold, you know, he's not got this pull. He's well-liked, but he's not, you know, somebody you're going to choose to uh, ideally fight. But credit to Lopez, he's stepping up, he talks a talk. We'll now see if he walks the walk. Uh, and as for Michael Conlon, I'm not really sold on him. Uh, I remember watching him on the Frampton-Warrington card against Jason Cunningham, and he didn't really have it all his own way then. And somebody, of, you know, like the way they big up Conlon, um, he, he should have really been completely dominating Cunningham. And for me, at times, he didn't. Uh, obviously, he has developed from that, and I expect him to come through against um, against the Russian opponent. It's it's one of those. The fight's happening because of the history, not because of where they are in the careers. Uh, and then we're going to see how far look, how far they're going to move move him next year. I, I thought there was never a chance that we'd ever see a potential, you know, Conlon Frampton fight. But I tell you what, no Frampton. If he can get a, um, if Frampton can get his hands on a world title, I wouldn't be shocked to see that happen in Ireland next year. Mm, don't think they'll make that now. Uh, as for Conlon, I think the Nikitin fight is uh, the perfect fight. People say, no, it's a step back. He's taking a step back. What, from Diego Ruiz? Bollocks, this fight needs to happen. It has the narrative. I don't blame them for making it at all. It, it, it has to happen. Yeah, no, no, and I completely agree. And like I said, it's it's got the story behind it that there's no reason why it can't happen. Look, I think it was supposed to happen last time out, wasn't it? And then Nikitin pulled out with, with not far out from the fight, to be honest. Um, I suspect he'll, like I said, I suspect Conlon will win um, and look good in doing that. And then, like I said, it's going to be a big year for him as well because the one of these fighters that they're not hanging around, they've chosen not to, you know, really go domestically. They're taking, you know, like giving him different styles with all sorts of different opponents. And they're looking to somewhat rush him through the rankings. So again, 2020 is going to be a big year for him. Episode 352, boys, hurtling towards belly of the weeks in the end. We've got just over half an hour left. I'll be coming back to you, Ozzy. Very quick word on the golden contract shortly. Before we do, let's get Rob. And first of all, Gabe in on, excuse me, the Terence Crawford fight. Crawford's 32, Gabe. He's in danger for me of, uh, for all of his achievements, for all of his ability. There's nothing worse than watching a fighter flitter away his prime. I'm not saying it's necessarily his fault, but it's so frustrating when you have guys in the same weight division and he's not able to uh, see how he gets on against them in his prime. Your Porters, obviously Spence, Garcia, all these type of guys. And he's in danger of having a resume, I think, without definition, without that big standout name. Whether it's his fault or not, you know, I'm not saying, but he's contracted to Bob for another six years. He's 32, Gabe. He needs to get a move on. We need to see him in these big fights now. Gabe's too busy still laughing at fucking Dave's comment. Gabe's disappeared. He's dead somewhere. Right, Rob, I'll redirect that question to you. Crawford, get a move on. Would that be your advice? Yeah, I think for Paul Crawford, like the more of these fights he has, the more potential there is for him to look have an off night and maybe just look unconvincing and for everybody else to be like, fuck him. And when he's getting frozen out, there's no one clamoring for him to be brought back in from the cold because Heyman's had a shocker there, like hasn't he? Because he's tried to f- fucking freeze Crawford out. Like he's basically tied up every other welterweight, including Manny Pacquiao, the cash cow. He's got him over there. He's got Garcia. He's got Thurman. He's got Porter. He had Spence as the golden goose that he was trying to protect until he fucking went through the fucking roof. 
<laughs> Literally. <laughs> and, and now he's left with like this fucking pile of shit. Well, you know, not, not necessarily a pile of shit, but this, these guys who are not the top guy, um, all fighting each other for nothing because they can't fight the king. It's just backfired. <laughs> Some Game of Thrones shit, that is like. So I don't know who's going to come out the better in that situation, but it doesn't look like Crawford at the moment because he has no opponents. None. So as great a fighter as he is, we're not seeing him against anybody, and it's a pity. Like It's a real pity. Boys in the chat getting stuck in. JG says, I think Crawford at least wants the fights and to move divisions. Triple G spent his career at 160, beating at welterweights. Zoo44 says, Shakura schools Conlon. And Lee, the alcoholic fraud, it's mad because he's a three-weight world champion being moved like a prospect. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, another golden contract, Aussie. They're doing pretty well, filling up these Sky dates, Saturday the 14th of December, back in... It's in the Brentwood Centre, this one, actually. On Sky, Dan Aziz, undefeated, going in against Lawrence Osuki, vacant British light heavyweight title. Decent scrap there. Let's have a look at the guys who are going to be drawn out, then. So, we've got Hosea Burton, Bob Adjusafe, Liam Conroy, Stephen Ward. Those two could get it on again. Serge Michel, no idea who he is. Rick Balotniks sounds like a Gabor Gorbach. Maybe he's been drafted in from Latvia somewhere. Tommy Philbin, decent fighter. Andre Sterling rated him at one point. He got a loss on his record. Uh, we haven't heard the draw, obviously, so it's hard to, to talk about it. But overall thoughts about the competitors, Ozzy? It's it's another good domestic um, competition put on by MTK. Uh, I think if I had to pick a winner at the start, it would be Bob Adjazaf. He's operated at the highest level, done well at that level as well. Um, you, you just wonder how much he's got left after being pretty pretty static, to be honest, and not not really doing a right lot. He's had a couple of fights this year, which could make all the difference for him, really, regardless of what level they were at. Uh, but, yeah, you, you can't criticise these sort of um, competitions because they're all evenly matched. Um, the by no means the best in the division, the by no means the worst, but it, it's good competitive boxing, um, and, and I've no doubt it will produce the goods. Um, there's also another show on Friday night, actually. Uh, it's another Ultimate Boxer card, and it's this is for the mm. heavyweights. Uh, that should be quite fun, that. Um, you've, you've got, I mean, look, there's no real massive names. You've got Camille Sokolowski uh, against Josh Sandland, uh, Jay McFarlane, he's from Scotland where he's not very good, to be honest, against Mark Bennett. Uh, Jonathan Pallata, um, he's just signed with Frank Warren, actually. I think he's looked trained by, uh, uh, what's his, Don Charles, uh, against Danny Whitaker. never mm. heard of him before. Um, Big Nick Webb, who got iced off David Allen against Chris Healy. Um, again, it's quite well matched, actually. Uh, I'm disappointed that Sokolowski's fighting Sandland because um, I fancied either of those to win this competition. So it's a bit, a bit uh, pissed me off a little bit that they're, uh, they're fighting each other in the quarterfinal. Uh, that saying, it, it should be good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Sokolowski to win uh, the tournament. He, he's decent, and particularly over you know that short amount of rounds, he's a hell of a lot better than his record suggests. Uh, and he's got a bit of a dig, but Sandlin's no mug as well, so that's probably that's it's actually a decent fight. Um, I think Nick Webb will get beat off Chris Healy as well. Healy again, he's not bad; he's just out of shape. Um, but the three rounds might shoot him, and we've seen what Webb is when you get an eye stuff. Dave Allen, who, like I said, threw the shot, and you could see it coming from you know like fifty miles away. Uh, and he still got hit by it. You, you've not really got much going for you. But again, these little um, 
these little cards, you know, like and these little events, they're quite enjoyable because, like I said, these guys are by no means the best or the worst in the division, but it's good competitive stuff and the uh, the three round yeah. shoot. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I don't think any boxing fans sometimes care. You know, everybody wants to see the big fights, but on like undercards and stuff, as long as it's competitive, you don't matter if they're fighting, you know, English level, area level, or European level, as long as it's competitive and enjoyable. And you can't not enjoy these three round shootouts because you've got big lumps going for it. They're going to be throwing bombs and you're going to see plenty of knockouts and a lot of action. So. Yeah, for um, it may not be the biggest of shows uh, coming up for Friday and Saturday night, but it's um, but it's decent. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to both. I think the ultimate boxers on BT and Box Nation, uh, how that is still going, I do not know. And obviously, MTK will be on Sky. Yeah, looking forward to the heavyweights. Might watch that. Hopefully, Sokolowski does the business. Reminiscent of the early prize fighters, even competitive low level stuff. Let's get on to Belly of the Weeks, episode 352. Fly through them, half an hour or so left, gentlemen, before they literally cut us the hell off. First nomination is for David Effiani Chukwu. Emphasis on the Chukwu, that's for the bit I like. How can this pot belly, flat niash and flat chest and mayonnaise looking man be challenging our black Anthony Joshua? I swear this is signs of the end times, says David Ifania Chukwu, <laughs> nominated by Kaiser Koba. Liking that one. Danny Robson and Manasseh Mawler jumped in on HH Boxing, who alerted us to the WBC. Jumping in with a title last night, no doubt. They have made a Middle East champion title for the Saudi Arabian show. A Middle East champion title. And they had a guy looking like Claudio Ranieri holding it up behind the two boxers. Uh, Chris Glover, pro boxer extraordinaire, 1-0 over in New York, ripping up trees. Instead of asking people who haven't boxed their expert analysis, why not just have people who have boxed? Just a thought, says Chris. When you're a pro boxer like Chris, you know, it's all about the wins. He's getting a few wins on his record. Uh, Unagai has been nominated by Dirk Diggler for claiming that AJ lost the first Ruiz fight because he wore Beats headphones. Um, Ron Jones and Marcus Bellinger going in on Dillian White, speaking to Sky Sports Boxing. Dillian claims that Deontay Wilder has avoided fighting him and is content to earn less money rather than share a ring with him. Uh, Nomination from me, Steve, for Rafe Bartholomew, pulling up a picture of Anthony Bellew. you got to listen to the bomber when he's telling you he knows the game. Okay, just leave him alone. Uh, Gavin Stevens has nominated Dillian White for more bullshit to Sky Sports Boxing. If it was me, I would have knocked the guy out, talking about this person who was apparently causing trouble on a plane. But, uh, brackets, parentheses, my brother, so that's Sky Sports who put that in, but my brother is more diplomatic than me. So uh, that continues uh, to be a bit of a mystery. Liam has nominated the KSI-Logan Paul rematch, according to Forbes, did horrible numbers. Remember when Fastgar said this was trending to be one of the biggest UK pay-per-views ever? It didn't happen. Uh, Talking to Box Nation, Marcus Bellinger threw in a good question. We'll attack that next week, I think. Uh, Chris Mason has thrown in a few, including one for Luke, uh, talking about Tony Bellew. He's an absolute prick, hard as fuck, great fighting man, but talks absolute shit. Trading Leather Boxing has nominated Jamal Charlo, turning it looking like a... But it looked like a microphone in a strange top. I don't know what on earth he was at. What a fucking bell end, says uh, Trading Leather Boxing. It looks like he's going to the audition for a part on Willy Wonka. Uh, Gary Kavanagh has nominated Tony uh, Boxing at the Box, who said Tony Bellew has the best boxing Willy IQ, Wonka. bar none. His insight is exceptional, Rob, and he's usually almost spot on. The best pundit by far and a genuine nice guy. He did great against Usyk, two to three years younger version. Would have got the win with say? the extra Bellew. gas in the tank. Just my thoughts. Just my thoughts, Rob. Yeah, yeah Bellew, yeah. 
Nobody wants to hear your thoughts, you fucking puppet. What? Tony Bellew. Last night he went on a rant about Thomas Hauser. That the analyst about to leave Washington, he should be kicked out of the sport, or else you don't be trying to ruin people's reputations, or I could say something about you. But I'm not gonna, but I could, and if you throw enough mud, it'll stick. <laughs> what kind of thing is that he's gonna say about Thomas Hauser? Don't stop there, Tony. Tell us what you're getting at. We all knew what you were getting at. Imagine that. Imagine that. That's what he's comparing. Somebody comparing almost nonsense with uh, somebody out in the drugs team in boxing who has previous form and is one of the most reputable journalists in boxing uh, for the last 10 years and has numerously um, or has numerous occasions um, identified anomalies uh, for the boxing public. But these fellas want to... Wanting to basically frame him for nothing. What a fucking See moment. you, Hauser, Jesus. doing your job, you fucking rat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no doubt Tony will appear at some point later during the list. Hamid has nominated Johnny, saying AJ has got a Conor McGregor gas tank. Amir Khan chin. Ruiz finishes him earlier in the rematch. He's got no heart. Toby has nominated Max, saying Eddie is a genuine guy. I think it was a bit of a troll, that one. Uh, Prime Tyke Meissen has nominated Sergio Mora on the zone. I don't have White, Dillian White, winning convincingly, but I have him winning unanimously. Fucking hell, starting to grudge streaming this for free now, says Tyke Meissen. Uh, Andy has been nominated by uh, Jason Chukwu for saying that Errol Christie was a top amateur shite pro. Belly of the week to Andy for disrespecting Errol Christie, even though there is a hint of truth. <laughs> no need for Errol to catch a stray bullet beyond life. Chukwu loves the RIPs. He, he hasn't that? dropped any in tonight, any he's, RIPs. He put me up <laughs> he was having a good... Saying that, <laughs> he was having... <laughs> that Christie was a, he's a... He was a shit pro. Fucking hell, man. The night he fucking fought Michael Watson, Barry McGuigan saying as, oh, this is his last opportunity because he's never done it as a fucking pro. Jason, what the fuck are you talking about? He's not here, Andy. He's disappeared. Fucking zoom. He's obviously back on the fucking heroin again, that cunt. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I wasn't the old one saying Jesus, he's, he's, he's demoted him from weed to heroin. <laughs> Steve Bunce fucking said the same thing. He was he was one of the top amateurs to come out of England. And everybody expected him to be fucking fantastic as a pro and then fuck all. He got iced in one round against a fucking bum. A bum. Andy going in on Chukwu. Jamie has nominated Paul Smith for having a bite at a fan on Instagram while claiming he wasn't having a bite at a fan. Good old Smigger. Simon says, where was nominated Sam Doty in Saudi Arabia? All AJ, eh, we? Bring them home so I can have another light like this, please, lad. X. A trading leather boxing, I'll nominate your very own Tommy the Guru Allen this week, purely because he's just absolutely bitter and cannot give Joshua credit where it's due. Uh, completely blinded by his worrying love for Fury. Yeah, I'd say out of all of Tommy's worrying love situations, his love his love for Fury is probably the least worrying <laughs> out of all the photos that he puts up, to be honest. Nomination there from Trading Leather Boxing. Uh, Chris Mason, who was in the chat, disappeared. Uh, has nominated Window Licker 63 When Leonard did exactly the same to Hagler, they called it a masterclass, box to win or box to lose. Uh, Lucian Reed has been nominated by Joe Box. Anthony Joshua has reminded me of a young Sugar Ray Leonard in the rematch versus Roberto Duran. Calm, calculated, punch perfect performance. Fair play. Uh, Katie Hopkins has been nominated by Franny550. 
Katie doesn't play boxing. Dear boys, you did not watch Anthony Joshua tagged in fight. You watched the ballerina avoid a fight. Hashtag Wilder will school this coward. Huge kudos to Ruiz for being the bigger man in every sense. Big love to my Mexican friends. <laughs> Going in on Joshua there. Doesn't avoid the scrap old Hopkins. Yeah. K-Hop more than nothing B-Hop, do Rob. With, uh, Maybe that's your nomination. Nothing to do with, um, with AJ's uh, acknowledging his... Um, Muslim prayers last night. That has nothing to do with Katie Hopkins' sudden turn, <laughs> turn in opinion on Anthony Joshua. Nothing to do with it at all. That's all the ones I've got, boys. Tony Bell, you're putting in a strong week. Uh, Steve Bunce got a, a bit of hate as well earlier. Apparently he was enjoying the hospitality a bit too much over in Saudi Arabia. Who wouldn't enjoy that hospitality? WBC as well have been thrown in. Andy, any nominations from you on this uh, Sunday evening? Yeah, I've got one for Brian Kenny. Um, during the third round to that uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua fight, actually, so he basically says, halfway through the, th- uh, the third round, Joshua isn't schooling him in these rounds, but he's doing enough to win these rounds. Right, that's that's halfway through round three. And then see the end of round three, Brian Kenny, the same fucking voices. This is a clinic by Joshua. Fucking hell, man. Okay, okay, he, he, he won the first three rounds, but. You know, he went, he went for like he isn't schooling him. Tell us, it's a clinic, baby. Um, Sergio well, Mora for Sky. Sky beat that out because after forty seconds, they said, uh, "What does he look like?" And Tony says, "He already <laughs> looks different <laughs> after forty seconds." Okay. Uh, he also said that uh, starting broadcast we'll just before the Magic Ball fight that uh, Bellew said he goes, uh, "Joshua gets the chance and opportunity." Uh, Tony's not the same thing, pal, no? <laughs> Fuck, you take too many punches. Um, I actually want to get back to the Dylan White situation because people were saying to us, oh, you're going to hold your hands up and stuff like that, but we've not got enough time to get in it, Steve, so we'll maybe get on it next week if, if, if possible because um, you will get people going Absolutely. on, oh, he's, ne- he's never touched upon it and stuff like that, so we're not going to duck that shit, but we'll definitely mention it. You're a fucking um, bomb, you're a fucking for saying last night that he says, um, I made a career not fighting in the Mexican style. Aye, but you're fucking born to watch as well, you twat. Um, <laughs> it, it was like uh, WBC for that uh, for that monstrosity a fucking belt they put on the the line last night. The WBC Middle East Championship title was on the line there yes. last. Holy shit! Yeah, fucking hell. So I cheers to Danny Danny Robson for sending that one in. Uh, and I think that's all I've got this week, mate. Um, I guess there's other ones. I've no not doing that but I um, yes Brian Kenny was just an absolute embarrassment last night actually yeah especially sitting in those daft little plastic ponchos are you back with us Gabriel any nominations for Belly of the Week from you Gabe you sometimes think Gabe's like picked up the phone by mistake or something He's going to sober up like Father Jack one of these days and realise he's been on with these gobshites every Sunday evening for the last 200 episodes. Drink. Drink. <laughs> Bean. Brothers, it's up to no good again. Nah. Go on, Rob. Anything from you? Any nominations by the other week? Why did you bring me in there? <laughs> get Gabe. Can't get him. After that line from Patterson. <laughs> um, uh, no, I've only got um venue like I was gonna fucking maybe have to say. Oh, what a stupid cow, like Jesus Christ almighty. 
I mean, oh, Donkey trying to Shannon Coatley oh. for saying for saying that Joshua it was was a masterclass last night. For people who've seen it, it was bored and doesn't know doesn't know what they're watching. So what does Tommy do? Digs up our fucking tweets for us saying is these people who fight in the back foot are fucking boring. Oh, well, that's an absolute pain in the studs, man. See, she was not a looker by the way. She would be a fucking nobody. She's not even that much of a looker, like is she? Let's be honest about it. Anyway, I've never met a fucking uh, so angry can fight me. <laughs> fucking uh, oh, Anthony Joshua for saying that. If you come to face the king, you have to slay the king. And Tyson Fury's victory over Vladimir wasn't a legit victory because he backed off for the whole night and only threw a couple of jabs. So, you know, AJ, if you're coming to face the king, you have to slay the king. Uh, Two-time. Two-time AJ. Uh, but no, credit to him for the fight, but he's still not escaped a belly of the week for saying, stay hungry, stay humble immediately. I thought he'd talk his shit a little bit and be like, come on. You know what I mean? I fucking done it. Oh, bow down to the king. And all. But he's like, oh, I'm humble. Boring, like, but um, yeah, Bellew this week, fucking hell, man, he's a f- absolute shithead. That Thomas Houser shit, man, that was golden. Like for a fella who kind of wants to be left alone, like just pe- people just leave him alone. Stop fucking sticking the camera in his face every thirty seconds. Stop letting him interrupt interviews to jump in front of the camera like he did <laughs> last night. Stop letting him do that. He just wants to be left alone. Why can't you see that? Let him fade to oblivion. Ozzy, moving on to you. Uh, someone had thrown in one for, earlier on, I forgot to mention, Sergei Lipinets. He said that basically Ruiz is still the champion because Joshua just ran all night or some words to those effects. Anyway, he was towing the PBC line. Uh, go on ahead with any of your nominations. Uh, none from me this week, none. Nothing from Ozzy. Oh, actually, yeah, hang on. We'll chuck in that slapper, Shannon Courtney. Uh, she's been giving it the big eye. I'm on Twitter again, and then our very own Tommy the Guru Allen has ratted her out. She was uh, t- so she put out a tweet uh, criticizing people who were saying about uh, Joshua and um, you can't call him boring, etc., things like that. And Tommy has managed to find four tweets about from what Shannon Courtney said of. 78,000 in the stadium to watch the AJ fight. Hope they stay away from the main event after the world's most boring fight with White Hellenius. She later goes on to uh, finding, saying about, I find both McDonald brothers so boring to watch and this Paul Butler fight is the most boring match I've ever watched up. The copper box needs to liven up. But she's now changed the tune because she's all part of Team Matchroom. And, uh, anyway, but Shannon's uh, comments have bit her on her backside this time. Uh, Thanks to uh, the very own Tommy the Guru, Alan. Well done, Tommy. Biting Shannon in their backside, leaving teeth marks. I'm going for Tony Bellew this week. It's about Tommy. Uh, Dillian White was close. We're going to touch on White next week, as Andy says. We're just running out of time, only about five minutes left. So there's no time to really get into a complicated, complex situation like that now. But we will discuss it. If any of those who go, oh, you say this about this and this about that, look... At the end of the day, these drugs cheats are absolutely rife in the sport, and I've got no natural affiliation with any of them. I think there's a bunch of cheating bastards anywhere uh, and everywhere from all promotional entities. We'll, just, we'll touch on that next week. Anyway, uh, Tony Bellew gets my vote, Rob. Who are you going for? It's got to be Bellew, man. Yeah, definitely. Shocker. Absolute shocker. <laughs> I'm going to go for Tony Bellew as well, by the way. I bet you one thing. I bet he actually went to the Prince of Saudi last night and said, I want to see her stoning to death live in the public square tomorrow, Chief. <laughs> yeah, let's round up a few of these drugs. Let's do it. So, Eric, Eric Molina, Povetkin, probably White. Uh, who else was on that card to fill the drugs test as well? 
Mario's Mario's whack. So they could be the fucking first four. So Tony might get to see his wish. No, 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 no. Yeah, because he said on it, he'd be the first one to say if a matchroom fighter failed a drug test, you're a scumbag. That's what he said last night. Did he say that to any of the boys when he was out there? <laughs> Asshole. Just leave him alone, oh, okay? Just leave him way, alone. Steve, I, I, leave him I, know, alone. I know the Conor Ben situation was done last week and that, but I've never seen the, uh, the, uh, the pictures and the video until after last week's pod. <laughs> what? Uh, absolute embarrassment. That kid, uh, listen, I'm not one to, look, there's a lot of situations in this world about mental health and that, but that is a cry for help, by the way. He's got tattoos over every orifice of his body. Now he's getting fucking, his hair shaved off to get implanted in his face. What the fuck is going on? I couldn't cope with that, Andy. <laughs> I, I, I put it up on the Facebook page and my, my phone nearly exploded. There was 80, 87,000 engagements. 87,000 with the co- people sharing it like 160 times. <laughs> oh, that is bad, man. <laughs> is uh, George Groves after being at the British Hair Clinic as well? Because he looked like he had a mop hair last night as well. Really like, oh, so yeah. Like, yeah, I've got a nomination like? for him and Carl Fudge. I might go to the British Hair Clinic, who knows? Andy, you join me? Bellew of the oh, Week, who are you going for? Without doubt, mate. Without doubt, Tony Bellew. Looks like it might be unanimous. Unanimous decision, Ozzy, who are you picking this week? Oh, Tony, without a doubt. Uh, Honourable mention, though, to Fat Andy Ruiz for uh, turning up as a slobby mess. He, uh, we're going to deny him a second uh, thing he could have won this weekend because uh, Tony Bellew is a clear winner of the uh, award this weekend. Gabriel, are you back with us? Would you like to throw anything in for Bellew of the Week, either a nomination or a pick? Speak now. Gabe, going once. Going twice. I'm going to have to fuck him off. Right, we've managed the time well, boys. We've got about five minutes left, so we'll hit this final question before we go for Marcus Bellinger. A quick question for everybody on the panel. Favourite Box Nation memories? Considering Box Nation seems like it's wrapping up, although they've got the ultimate boxer, so maybe not. Favourite Box Nation memories? While you guys have a think, I'll throw in a few of mine. Obviously, the first major fight was involving the man himself, Tone. That first fight against Nathan Cleverley, they really hit the ground running. They had a classic fight, Paul Appleby against Liam Walsh or Ryan Walsh. I think it was Liam Liam Walsh. Walsh. They kept repeating that all the time. Liam Walsh. And then they started getting the overseas fights. And at one point, they were showing everything, like Bernard Hopkins against Babert Shumanov at 3 o'clock in the morning. You had Buncey going absolutely bonkers. You had John Evans, friend of the pod, Alex Steedman, who's been on doing the fights that matter. Box Nation was really going strong. And unfortunately, it collapsed. Like a flan Aussie favourite box nation moments. Oh, um, definitely got to say the the Russian card that the um, that they showed midweek. I think it was just on like a Thursday afternoon. Did it have uh, was it Duradola uh, was on there? Um, was Ola Rafalabi on it as well? Uh, unbelievable card, and that I think that was to where the levels that they got to. Um, I think what's his face uh, Duradola knocked out. Kudri Ash of that um, that show. Um, then what else was? Was that it? the one when uh, Buncey got exposed by by the guy saying about? Do you remember Guillermo Drone's situation with Lebedev yeah, and the guy, one of yeah. the journalists? Said, I was going to mention Ben that. Jacobs said the fight was on. Like, Buncey went on a meltdown. 
Aye, on Twitter, and then when the show went live 20 minutes later, uh, unfortunately, there's the, the show from, uh, I was like, oh, here we fucking go. And he didn't even apologise for the shit that he didn't. Yeah. He basically accused Ben Jacobs of fucking trying to kind of do him out a job and, you know, basically kind of like putting out fake news. And then lots of 20 minutes later, he's like, ah, oh, well, you know, here's what's happened. Phil drugs test, fights off. I'm like, okay. We all fucking knew that 20 minutes ago. What the fuck? And mm-hmm. Bengo has Bengo has information legit for a Spanish source because obviously he speaks fluent Spanish in that as well. Eh? No Spanish source, but for the yeah for Panama, for Panama, sorry. Um, but no, there was loads. I, I always mention it. I saw one of the best fights I've ever seen on there, which was Craig Craig Poxton against uh, Boy Jones Jr., which was a Friday night in the Brentwood Centre, and that was that was really good. Um, I'm ch- I had a talk. I had a talk about this on uh, on Twitter, and I'll try and find it whilst other people talk because people were throwing him in all over. So, a um, couple of others carry on. I'll yeah. I'll chat up with any others. Well, I've got a few more. First of all, Tony Thompson, infamously after David Price, she will feel the pain. I'm going to put her in a wheelchair and break her hip. She's going to shag her so hard. That was a good one. The boys are throwing a few in on the chat. Joe Kennedy says, Prince Patel with Bunsey and the infamous Barry Jones. I'll be a better world champion than you interview. Uh, Tosh says, most replays must be Eubank cruiserweight fights. MB says, Frank Maloney crying, then cutting his dick off. Uh, Kennedy talking about Barry Jones as champion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tommy Cahill throwing one in MB, Arakawa against Figueroa, Andy Lee's come from behind KO against John Jackson, says MB as well, just before we come to you Rob, any more Andy, Box Nation moments? No, they've pretty much all been taken up there mate, uh, all the guys are putting in suggestions and that as well, obviously Paul Apple by Liam Walsh was always uh, a great start to, to a show and Frank promised was it two live events each week and stuff like that, it just gradually declined there, so yeah. Yeah, they always had the idea BT was going to suck it up. Lee, the alcoholic frotch, says, some Latvian journeyman undressing in the ring to replace his groin guard, then banging out a prospect. Any from you, Rob Kelly, Box Nation moments? Uh, yeah. it, has, it has been I good over think, the years. I uh, think some of the B-Hop, or Zig B-Hop, Pascal 2 was on it. Um, Maidana Broner, was that on it? I think that was on it as well, wasn't it? Um, yep. Yeah, so that was a cracker. Like, unbelievable, that was. like. Um, and then... Yes, I think they had a lot of the Floyd fights as well, didn't they? So I don't know. Yeah, Box Nation was pretty solid for the overseas content. Can't knock it. But the Broner one and the B-Hop to Pascal um, stand out for me. Great one. Just before, just while we go back to Aussie, uh, see if he's got his list up. We asked last week about guys' boxing memories. A few of the boys, four or five of them, threw them in the YouTube comments below. So if you listen to this on YouTube, hit the like and go down to the comments below and tell us your favourite Box Nation moment. Aussie, any joy from you? Just closing up last couple of minutes. Yeah, a couple of others. So uh, Jamie Conlon against that uh, Junior Granados, was it? W- what a fight that was. Oh, I think was that that, yeah. Yeah, Conlon hit the deck a couple of times um, in that as well and was fortunate to win. Um, Conlon, Anthony Nelson as well. Yeah, Conlon, I mean, I, I think I think it's fair to say any uh, Jamie Conlon fight because they were all, he, he just knew how to entertain. Um, Frank Buglioni against Lee Markham was another uh, another quality one. Andy Lee uh, was a couple, I think, he, against Matt Korovov was one where he came from behind. Um, I'm trying to think, a couple of others as well. Um, Timothy Bradley against uh, Ruslan Provodnikov. Um, mm. And yeah, like we said, the others, uh, Ola Rafalabi, uh, Marco Hook. Um, well, I, 
I forget any. I, there's loads of, like you say, at one point they were showing so much content, and and yeah, like I say, sadly, it's just it's really non-existent now. Um, since they, they basically lost the Queen's respect stable to uh, to what's it called to BT, it left them really at, at a bit of a dead end. I would have liked to have seen them change the style and you know give dates to you know like your smaller hall promoters. You know, like so like that Goodwin show last week. Could have been on telly, uh, and I, th- I still think that something could work certainly around there, but um, sadly not with Box Nation. Sadly not. Tommy Cahill, Final Ones, uh, Barnes' debut was on it. Gerwin says Kovalev was always on. Lee the Alcoholic Foch, Chisora versus Vitali, and hey, he glassed me. Uh, Matisse, John Molina says MB, and Ola Afalabi icing that stiff Russian on the same show. Could you ask? Oh, I've got I've, I've just had a late one Lee the Alcoholic Foch. Just had a late one thrown in from Matthew Skelton, and he says, uh, how can we forget this one? Uh, Adrian Broner, uh, Marcos Maidana. Uh, that was on Box Nation when Broner... Rob mentioned that. Oh, did he? Sorry, I missed that one. I missed that one. Yeah. Not to worry. Right, boys, we'll wrap it up now. Thank you, everybody who's been on, all you guys in the chat. Pleasure to have you. Don't forget to go and leave an iTunes review, leave a YouTube review, do whatever the hell you want, to be honest. It's all good with us. Uh, Rapping Rob Kelly's been on for the duration, as has Ozzy Smith. Gabe Lewis is out there floating away in the solar system somewhere. Andy Patterson, Boxing Asylum stalwart. Thanks for Smido for coming on. Thanks for Hater Dave Loback for his insight and impressions. We shall be back with you for episode 353. Same time, same place next week. I've been Steve Wellings. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.